8.37, and I think Don's about to start live streaming. For everybody listening, uh, Joe's a little under the weather, so he's going to dip out earlier. Um, but me, Don, and Dale will, well, I don't know how long, maybe we'll go an hour. Maybe I have no idea what we're going to do. Um, this is, uh, I wasn't going to do an episode this weekend, not that anybody gives a shit, and I was up in New England, and then uh, watching everything with Cobble, I was, uh, I was like, man, this isn't, and then as it always is, I'm like, oh, wait, I know guys. Oh, I'm like, oh, I can do an episode about this. So texted Dale. Dale was like, well, then I texted Don, and Don was like, fuck yeah. And then Dale was like, get Joe. And I was like, fuck yeah, we're going to have a party. So enough of me rambling, because I'm the only one here that hasn't served. But I do own an American flag, so that kind of counts or something. This is Cobblecast with Joe Teddy, Green Berets, OGA, Paramilitary, Dale Comstock, 82nd Delta, OGA, Paramilitary, Mer- uh, Mercenary, uh, Don the Pleb, Marine Corps Artillery, and me. I own an American flag, so I would say that we're all in the same playing field. But because I have no information or knowledge or expertise about any of this shit don or D- dale what do you how do you feel about what's going on for future listeners today saturday august 21st 2021 3 or 7 p.m eastern time and cobble is a shit show welcome to Cobblecast. <laughs> well i'll try not to run my mouth too long as i usually do but i'll make it really succinct um yeah i'm pretty disappointed but you know t- completely expected from this administration uh, the argument that, well, you know, nobody saw this coming is bullshit. Um, I called it 10 years ago. In fact, I've got a very good friend that was a commander, one of my commanders I was an advisor to, and I always worried about his safety. This, this was 10 years ago when, uh, if they, when the Americans pulled out. And unfortunately for him, about five years ago, he was actually brought to the United States on a special visa, um, including his wife and his kids. So he was actually safe. And I was really concerned about him because of his status as a commander there um, at one of the more prestigious and elite units in Afghanistan. Um, <clears throat> but so I saw it coming. Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder saw it coming you know, 20 years ago when we started this whole shit show. But, uh, you know, the argument that... Uh, well, nobody anticipated this, you know, bullshit, man. The, the, look, the intel, you know, the intel agencies have been crying about this for months. In fact, uh, from everything I'm reading, the, uh, the, basically the administration and, uh, um, Kabul, the, the Afghan administration was sounding alarms long back in January saying, okay, you know, we need to really be concerned and watch what's about to happen or what could potentially happen. The warnings were there. Okay. The argument that the intelligence wasn't there is not true. Okay, the intelligence was there. If you're not willing to, you know, listen to the intelligence, read the intelligence, and uh, you know, follow the intelligence, well, that's that's on you, Joe Biden. And uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here that's gonna be very divisive, but I don't care because, you know, I had a conversation with a couple of people, um, including David Webb from SiriusXM the other day, and a, a good sergeant, a friend of mine, today, a sergeant major, and. And actually, I think with Joe and I talked about it yesterday, and it's like this, man. You know what? Um, I try to be nice to everybody, but I've gotten to the point where I see the Democrats, all Democrats in this country, Democrats and liberals, I pretty much put you in the same boat. And if you voted for Biden, you are the enemy within. You are essentially the American Taliban because you haven't enabled this, this shit show. The warnings have been there, okay, all along. And... What we've got now is a disaster because of your vote, okay? As far, and, I'm, and I'm sorry, we can't be friends. We cannot be friends because we're ideologically different. And that's a big deal in this country when we talk about freedom. 
your ideology is juxtaposed to everything that I believe in, I have fought for, my family has fought for in the U.S. Constitution. And so what we have right now, right now in, in, in Afghanistan is exactly where it, you know, could potentially, this could, America could potentially look like this someday. I mean, in a lot of ways it is. So let me just kind of say something real quick. You know, we no longer have the moral high ground to look at the Taliban and go, you know, forcing people to cover their face is immoral and unethical. We're freaking doing that in this country, all right? Yeah. Saying that, oh, you know what, breaking the law is wrong and unethical, but we're doing that all day long here. We're violating the Constitution, HIPAA. You know, I can go all day long about this forced vaccinations, okay? We are literally breaking the law and just allowing it to happen. Um, we're destroying, you know, we're destroying uh, monuments, okay? Statues of monuments. We're destroying history. Okay, and we're telling the Taliban it's not right to do that. Just think about the Taliban, how much shit they destroyed. Okay, when all this started, I mean, they they destroyed some very historical, um, you know, uh, you know, landmarks in Afghanistan as well as the Iraqis. And we're telling them, oh, bad boys, you shouldn't do that, you know. And here we are doing the same thing. We're telling them you shouldn't rape children, you know. You shouldn't be, you know, poking boys in the butt and raping little girls. Um, that's it more. But yet here we said pedophilia is really. A, a sexual a choice it's a preference it's natural um we're telling we're telling the taliban you shouldn't go around slaughtering little boys and little girls and raping women and killing people because that's immoral but we're killing millions of babies all day long we no longer have the moral high ground if somebody co tried to correct me the other day and go well only half america feels that way unfortunately we're being represented by biden and the democrats we, well, maybe we don't all feel that way. I don't, but unfortunately, we're not the face anymore. We let that shithead up there. He is now the face of this country, and the Democrats behind him are his support base. They're the face of this country, okay? And we're just along for the ride until we do something differently. So how do I feel about, you know, this whole thing going on right now? I feel betrayed in a lot of ways, and more importantly, no, it's not about me as much as it is about my soldiers, not just my soldiers, but the same soldiers Joe and I were over there training, leading into combat, feeding, taking care of these guys, guys that were willing to go out and fight with us side by side, slinging lead, and lay down their lives for us if that's what it took. And I've, and I've had my men tell me that, literally tell me that, um, that they would literally create a human wall around me and make sure that I didn't get killed. They would sacrifice their life for me. And I know they would because... We had gone out many, many times, you know, getting on with the bad guys. And, and they believed us. They trusted us in everything we said and that we did. And here we are now. And I've got literally these same soldiers that I haven't, some of them I haven't talked to in 10, 15 years, reaching out to me going, Mr. Dale, commander, please, can you help me? My life is in danger. And, uh, and what a horrible place to be, for not only for them, but for me, because now I'm literally spending my days trying to figure out how can I get these guys letters of passage, trying to get them manifested on any type of evacuation flight. And right now, luckily, I've got two guys in the family manifested on an Australian flight and an American flight to come out of country. But, you know, they've got to run, they've got to hide, you know, I've got to, you know, we've got to have, you know, secret communications, you know, I've got LNOs on the ground, they're going to link up with these guys and they try to facilitate their movement, you know, uh, under the radar and, and get them on an aircraft. And, um, so in some sense, I'm still fighting this goddamn war, and I'm not even in the war no more. I'm over here, and I have to because the Democrats have put us here. The Democrats have put us here, okay? Any Democrat listening to this, you are an enabler, okay? The hell with you. Um, and I'm sorry I have to say that, but I've got to the point now. We can no longer, and I'm going to use their words, 
be nice to the nice the bad man and he'll be nice to you. Well, I'm tired of being nice to the bad man and to the dumb man in this country. And here we are. Look what's happened. And we have lost all credibility globally, man. Biden got to go, oh, you know, nobody's complaining. Nobody's saying nothing. Bullshit. What a star, what a bald-faced lie. He's sitting there in front of the American public and lying, outright lying. Even his commanders, even his people on his administration are calling bullshit, throwing the bullshit flag on him. You know, we are so screwed up. And okay, and now what we now what's the next the next existential threat? The next existential threat is uh is China. All right, they're gonna kick our ass. They're gonna kick our ass bad. It's just a matter of time. Sorry, they're gonna kick our ass. If we keep fighting wars like this, they're gonna hand us our ass. And guess what? We're gonna be a third world country. We're we're getting we're we're rushing to that state right now. All right, so there you go. There was my little rant. <laughs> <laughs> I I I I, I, <laughs> I love it as always. We're 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 15 minutes in, and I and I know and Joe's sick, so he's gonna bail. So I don't want to keep you. So Joe, yeah. what are your thoughts on this? Just because I don't want to keep you around yeah. and make yeah. I know you're you know what it is, dude. The thing that uh, bothers me the most um, is is the fact that Dale and I worked at the same place um, for many years. And we trained, uh, Afghani units to actually to a pretty freaking high level. Uh, I'm not going to mention the names of these projects because they are sensitive in nature, but the one project that Dale was actually, I think for 18 months, uh, was their high speed, high speed unit, which in my opinion, they were trained up to a ranger battalion level. And, you know, they could they could do CQB with night vision on and the whole fucking nine yards. So now my question is, not only are these guys in danger, all these Afghan soldiers that work with the Americans, you know, these special units that are out there now, they have two choices. They can acquiesce to the Taliban, and now they've got all the training, mm-hmm. all the gear, all the experience. Now they're just going to hand it right over to the Taliban, or they're going to die. They're going to be targeted because they work with the Americans, you know, they're dangerous, loose cannons running around because they've got training, they've got knowledge. Hey, um, hey, Joe, let me, Joe, let me interrupt you real quick. Yeah. I just got confirmation what you and I talked about. Our guys are being rounded up and executed right now. Our guys are already being executed. I just got confirmation. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that is not surprising. Tom, when, when, when Dale and I were serving over in Afghanistan, the units that we were working with were were very secretive. Our guys would sneak into our compounds covered. I mean, they could never, ever be identified as the, who they were because the unit that, that they were and what they were doing and working with Americans. Now the Americans are gone and it's it, these poor guys, man. It, it, I mean, these, you know, all the sacrifices that they've made and uh, what we, and we've made is, is really, I mean, I, I still can't wrap my head around 20 years and we still can't get it fucking right. So what? We killed Ben Laden. Big deal. Big deal. What, what, what the fuck? That really means zero. We All right, we killed the guy that was responsible for, for 9-11. Okay, great. But was it worth all of this? No, it was not. You know, and Biden was right when he said that it started off as a counterterrorism mission. And that's what it was supposed to be. Go hunt down, kill or capture the people responsible for 9-11. That's why we were there. But then it morphed, like all other wars. Right? It morphed into nation building and all this other shit. And 20 years later, here we are, where the Taliban are better equipped. You know, I mean, they got their own little special forces unit. They all sent me a thing yesterday. They got their own spe- special forces unit, all dressed up in white with black kit, carrying M4s, 
with night vision and fucking off. I mean, now, it's crazy. You you can't even make this shit up. And the only thing I'll say, and, and I'll let I'll let uh, Don, you know, say the thing that makes me the most upset is the lives lost. You know, God, you know, God bless. You know, Dale and I were never wounded. I mean, I, I don't know about Dale, but like my worst injury was a self-inflicted wound uh, injury. I smashed my hand in a Hilux. Like that was my worst injury. You know what I mean? Like I had some close calls, but nothing like these poor guys have lost arms and legs and everything else. And it just saddens me that, you know, it, for what? And um, if, if Biden would have just said something like this at the end of his speech to the Taliban, this is your one and only warning. Conduct yourselves accordingly. Put your country back together. Work out a political solution. And if you don't, uh, this time I'm just going to use a bulldozer, and I'm just going to J dam the freaking yeah. I'm just going to J dam the freaking embassy. I'm not sending boots on the ground. I'm just going to send B-52s over there and flatten your fucking ass. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Um, he just made us look so weak. I it just I don't know how the commander in chief could the most powerful guy in the country and world make us look so inept. It's like they were saying Russia and China, all these other countries are like, Oh my God, like these fucking people haven't learned yet. And here we are. I mean, it's just it, the worst is yet to come. You watch and see you, the, you watch and see the worst is yet to come. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, <clears throat> if I can jump in before you don with all of my hmm. experience, um, Get an American flag owner. Yeah, hey, that's what I, I'm, I'm here for. I'm here for you guys. Let me lay it down. It's as Dale said, and as as really, hey, yeah, well, yeah. Okay, Joe's got one too. So, all right, that's that's fair. You can join the club. It's uh, you know, it kind of, and again, as someone with no experience in this and talking out of my ass, but it does at the very least acknowledge that it was probably going to be something similar to this. Whether we left in 05, whether we left the day after we killed bin Laden, whether we left in 2016, whether we left today, or whether we left in 10 years, it was probably going to be something similar to this. Obviously, you could do it in a better fashion, but it does seem like no matter what, someone was going to have to pull the Band-Aid off, you know? Uh, people do give Trump credit for, you know, at least addressing North Korea instead of kicking the can down the road like we'd been doing for decades, on one hand, I do look at what Biden's doing, and I say this very loosely, I do have to give credit for it. Someone had to pull the Band-Aid off. It was an occupation. There was no way anything, there was nothing left to do. On the other hand, as Joe just said, I mean, you he really could have kind of turned this into a position of strength. He could have said, we just did this the humane way for two decades act accordingly or we're going to stop doing the surgical strikes. We're going to stop doing the, the special stuff. We're, we're just going to, I mean, it's going to be rolling thunder. We're just going to do linebacker. We're going to just go across the nation and get rid of it. And he didn't do that. So on one hand, they give him credit because it's like, Hey, someone had to pull the bandaid off and have that on you. You know, someone had to, you were going to get that shit on you. It's just what it was. But on the other hand, it's like, man, okay, well, and you did fuck it up because now it's just relieving it. We're not, I mean, it's, it's almost comical and I, in the most loose way possible, it's almost comical that the same Chinooks are landing on rooftops with the same silhouette. It's, 
But that's all I have as an American flag owner. So Don and and so, Joe Joe, we've got you for eight more minutes and then you're free to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh so like uh, a ton. Um it's pretty clear that everybody is pissed off about this. And let me I, I am getting phone calls from Marines that I haven't talked to in 10 years going, Don, what the fuck, man? I know you're always balls deep in this. Tell me there's an explanation. There isn't, right? This is ridiculous and horrible in every facet. Uh, even outside of all of the direct war-related things, leaving, and depending on how you pick the numbers, anywhere between ten and 80,000 Americans and very heavily invested in American effort, uh, Afghanis, just twisting in the wind i mean i is there anybody who hasn't said don't leave a fallen man behind at some point in their lives while they were doing things this is the kind of thing that if i you know oh man i'll just buddy fuck that guy and just leave him there while he's wounded is and i know dale's got that story about that captain where oh it's hot out there we're not gonna go get those guys and my answer to that was the same (laughs) if i would have said anything like that some i would have been eating boot that had gone to my mouth by way of asshole you know someone would have kicked my ass so hard my teeth would be coming out the front but we're doing it anyway right and this now we're telling people oh you got to pay two thousand dollars for us to get you out and there's just no way that we can get people into Kabul to get people out and look, man, is there going to be some dead bodies if we just go waylaying through Kabul being like, hey, look, everyone that we care about is coming out, whether you like it or not. Yeah, there's probably going to be dead bodies. And you know what? That'd be the right thing. Whether anybody likes it or not, oh, John, you want to reinvade Afghanistan? No, I want to take care of the people that we should be taking care of. And whether or not the country goes to hell afterwards, I would like it if it didn't. But as a bare minimum saving grace, we should be able to get it out the people who hooked us up uh or are our own citizens what the fuck but there's another thing in there that makes this even worse which is the we have to pull the band-aid off thing like i i know this take is going around everywhere oh at some point it was going to happen okay it is now pretty apparent to anyone who's been following this long enough that what we were doing under the trump administration was ever so slowly scaling down what we were doing Right. So we basically didn't have infantry in Afghanistan by the time that uh, Trump got out, whether or not there was some guy with an infantry MOS is pretty irrelevant. He was either doing some sort of advisory role or uh, was really there as like their CAS guy or something and, or, you know, pass along Intel and doing the like, hey, this is how infantry would use it kind of job. We were not doing a whole hell of a lot of direct kinetic things at the time that Joe Biden took office. We were, however, managing their comms, helping them manage their air, doing slow turnovers of all of these things, making sure that their guys had good training regiments and were out there actually getting after it. And the moment that those Afghani soft guys got smoked because they couldn't get any support of any variety after calling for CADs for something like 12 damn hours, everybody should have known there was a problem. Because look, all that high level stuff, that's all the hard stuff to do in the world of war. Like it, you know, it takes a lot of money, it takes a lot of talent, it takes a lot of skill. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not besmirching anybody for, you know, shooting people in the face. But in the world of like, we're kind of a tiny country, you can teach people to shoot people in the face. You can't just like, well, just build a factory and have radios. That's not really a thing. And so all of that like little support where we're not taking casualties, we're not, you know, having a hard time in a war zone or anything like that, but these guys are getting up and getting after it. If you just pull the rug out from under them, what you get is 
what I think it was a squad worth of guys who very obviously were fighting their ass off. 12 hours of fighting is a fucking eternity, right? Like it may as well have been literally forever. And those guys stopped when they ran out of ammo and went, you know what? Now we don't have a choice. Now I guess we have to surrender. And the moment they walked out, they got smoked and everybody went, well, but it's Afghanistan, who cares? And I went, this this is the worst sign in the world. What are you doing? Those specific guys. And look, as a guy who has complained personally, because a friend of mine died because somebody else got air instead of me, those are the guys that get air. Those are the guys that get air. So guys like me who were sitting there, man in a post somewhere, die. And that is the deal in joining the military. But presumably that is happening because there are limited resources and whatever they're doing is more important to the war effort than whatever I'm doing. And that's how the military works. That's how it goes. And you just accept that or you get the hell out of the military. That's the way it is. But these guys, we are, first of all, making very bad tactical choices. Second of all, in a position where literally any support, a helicopter flying over and kicking out a box of 556 would have changed the outcome. That's it. That's all it would have taken. And that was too much. And since all we were doing as Americans was being the ones who said, hey, dispatch that helicopter and kick out the box of 556, this was coming. And it wasn't because it had to be. It was because we yanked out the rug as hard as possible and went, well, just sink or swim. And by the way, we didn't even teach you to swim in this pond. It was bad tactical decisions the whole time. It was bad strategic decisions. Uh, And this idea that nobody saw it coming, like everyone saw it coming for damn sure. Dale is completely correct. Ray Charles saw it coming, but it didn't actually have to be this way. It it would have taken us a long time. It would have, you know, oh my God, it's forever wars. There was an actual strategic plan that would have got us out of there and we abandoned it and then went, Oh, it turned into a disaster. Uh, I don't know. And then as of this morning, it was, oh, we planned for this. Motherfucker, if you plan to have Kabul turn into the worst, most ridiculous war zone that has ever existed on planet Earth, and then subsequently leave 10,000 actual Americans there and upwards of 60,000 people who actually helped us for 20 fucking years, you need new planners. The end. Go find a PFC, fire all your goddamn generals, and put the PFC in there and have him go, Man, this seems like a dumb idea. That's it. That's all it takes. Hey, Tom, right. let me yeah. hey, Tom, let me say this real quick before I bounce. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure Dale, after I say this, Dale, he's got significant experience at this as well, actually a little more than I do. But one of the things that people need to understand that are listening to this is that you got to look at the culture of the Afghanis. And so, like, one of the things that I've always told people is, at least the people that we work with, we were working with some of the best Afghanis. Like these are handpicked guys that we're working. They really didn't have a sense of national pride and like that patriotism thing. I don't know how to, it was there, but it was only so much. It wasn't like the Israelis where, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, you still got to serve in the military and there's huge national pride in Israel. But I've been there. Afghanistan is different. Their culture is different. Like, so you've got a bunch of wolves, you know, the, the Taliban that have the will to fight, that these are the motherfuckers you got to shoot to pieces to stop, you know, in, in combat versus other people, like even guys that Dale and I have trained, they just don't have, not all of them, but the majority just don't have the discipline in the stomach for the fight. They, they just don't. 
even like when we were training these guys that trained for two, three hours, uh, Mr. Joe, we need a break. You know, they, this, that, and the other thing. They, they didn't have the tenacity that's going to be needed to fight the Taliban. And that's my opinion. Uh, they may have a different, but that's what I saw. They were great when we were leading them. And they were, like Neil said, they were brave guys, but now we're gone. And that, we tried to instill that in them. I just don't think yeah, it does. Yeah. So, let me add something to that real quick. You know, um, so there's this talk about, you know, well, you know, we trained their soldiers and they're supposed to be really good. It's 300,000. What's going on? Why they quit? Well, actually, the numbers are skewed. It's actually more like 140,000 and the rest are security and police officers. Okay. Um, so if you, if you, if you look at it honestly, you got 140,000 soldiers versus 70,000 Taliban. That's a two to one ratio. That's not actually a very good ratio. Okay, especially from a defensive, uh, and this is doctrine now, you need a three-to-one advantage minimum in a, if you're in defense trying to fight an offensive force, i.e. the Taliban rolling over the top of your head. Um, so that's one aspect. And two, as, you know, was, uh, was brought up here a second ago, was um, the combat support, right? So we pull out, we took all the contractors out, and, and basically while we were there, okay, the reason we enjoyed a lot of um, victories, I guess, and we felt a lot of success is because we had what? We had air support. We had close air support. We had helicopters to move, move stuff, to move casualties, to move logistics. Um, you know, that's a big deal. Um, the aircraft. In fact, we know from experience when I was downrange, as soon as the jets came overhead, the Taliban disappeared. They got, they were gone, man. They got, they crawled in the foxhole because they knew they can't hide from those fighters, man. Um, and that's a hell of a morale booster, man. When you call aircraft on station and you're getting your shit handed to you, you know, everything gets real quiet. It's a cha game changer. We took that when, And yeah, they've got all kinds of aircraft, but what they don't have is they don't have the guys that maintain them. They don't have the things that we, they were used to having with us. Right. If we were not gotten a tick. All right. And, and we're getting it on, and I got on the radio and calling air support. They were happy campers. They always knew that if I bring in airplanes, we're good. Um, and, you know, and I was concerned if we didn't get airplanes in because we're not good if we don't have those aircraft, right? And so that's a big deal, man. And when the contractors were pulled out as well, those that maintain the aircraft that help with all levels of aircraft, um, those birds are just sitting there collecting freaking rust. They're not doing nothing. And and the reality, the other reality is the Afghan soldiers – they had a lot of confidence and faith in Americans, in our ability. They looked up to us like, you know, we're, we're the, I mean, they were like, we were like mom and dad to them. And suddenly mom and dad walked away and they weren't grown up enough yet to handle this on their own. And that's why they're out there doing that, you know, or not doing that, you know, and some of them are, there's actually some of them still fighting. And, and you know, that, that tip, that special force team that you were talking about earlier, Don, I think might've been some of the guys Joe and I trained. Um, I don't know all the details yet. I'm still waiting for the rest of it to come in. But uh, our, some of our guys got their ass handed to them. They, they ran out of ammunition. They were rounded up. And they were all, you know, summarily executed. I'm not sure if they got their families too. But um, it, wasn't, it doesn't sound like a really good, uh, good story. Um, so the other thing I wanted to bring up was nation building, right? So we went in there with the objective getting UBL. And, then, and, here, and here's why we stayed in Afghanistan, okay? And this is why we got our ass handed to it. Okay, it wasn't the military's fault. Okay, we got, right, we have the best military in the world. The reason we got our ass handed to it is because of two things, the, the administration and the American citizenry. 
American citizens. How is, is American citizens' fault? Because American citizens were the ones going, oh, please, you can't interrogate them. That's cruel. You can't be bad to a bad man. Be nice to him. He'll be good to you. All this bullshit with John McCain coming in, going, you can't, you know, you can't interrogate them. Uh, they can't be prisoners or personnel under control. You have to release them in 72 hours with all their shit. You know, and you have to be nice to them. You have to feed them, put them in this bed. You know, that that bit us in the ass. You know how many times I rolled up the same guys over and over, and I'm like, you again? And like, hey, they, they almost knew me by name at some point. Like, hey, Mr. Dale, see you again, you know? And it's ridiculous. That's what was happening. And then we, you know, Americans are sitting on the couch, judging the war, going, oh, we should be building a nation. We're destroying our country. Let's build it back for Let's be the good guys. Well, none of that worked out because the bleeding hearts in this country you know, the the, the, the the president and his administration need those votes, so they got to do whatever they got to do, the acquiesce, the little whiny bitches in this country that always want to be good to the bad man, thinking that somehow it's gonna, that, that bad man's going to be nice to us because we're good to them. It doesn't work that way, okay? If you've never left this country, you've never been downrange, you've never been to the Middle East, particularly in the Middle East, even Africa and other countries, uh, they don't necessarily think like we do. Their morals, their culture, everything's different. Okay, and we cannot assume that they think like us and that they're going to be nice to us if we're nice to them. They just see that as a weakness. They see that as a weakness, which is what's happening right now. Um, the other thing is, Dom is mentioning, yeah, American citizens are paying shit toad and tons of money to come, out of the, to come out of Afghanistan to come home. They're paying, they have to pay to get evacuated. Now, think about this for a second. We're letting millions, or not millions, well, probably millions when this is all over, of illegal aliens that have done nothing for our country, have done nothing to fight for, nothing to and They contribute zero to this country, and they're just flowing over the border. Not only are they flowing over the border for free, we're giving them transportation to take them all over the country and bed them everywhere without even a virus test, okay? I mean, think about that for a minute. The ones that actually fought for America have sacrificed their lives for, and their families' lives, for that matter, you know, and Americans that are over there are doing their part for our country can't even come back unless they pay a ton of fucking money to fly back on American fucking aircraft. Wait a goddamn minute. What the fuck is wrong with that picture? Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot of things wrong with this picture, and, and there's a duality here, but nobody's paying attention to it because most people can't fucking, you know, they just, they don't, they don't really use their critical thinking skills because they actually don't have them. Most people don't have them. Um, if you really think about it hard, think about that for a minute. We got Americans sitting down range. They can't, in order for them to come out, they're laying down thousands of dollars to get on a goddamn fucking government aircraft to get out of there and save their ass. Yet we're opening the board saying, hey, come on in, all you people that have never done nothing for our fucking country. Just come on over here and fucking wreck it. You know, bring your virus with you too. You know, think about that for a minute. That's that's this administration. That's why I started out with this rant about Democrats. You know what? You might not, they might not like it, but I've decided, you know what? You're the enemy within. Yeah, you are the enemy within. You have enabled this. You are facilitators by the by what you have done. Look at the shit show that we're in, and it's not getting any better. It's not getting any better. I pray to God next year we flip the house, and I hope in, in the next election, we get the Republicans back in office, man. You know, I'm not necessarily a Republican anymore. I've, I've kind of given up on that shit as well. But at least somebody that believes in the U.S. Constitution still, 
and has morals and values that are in line with mine. And uh, that's what I pray for. If we don't get that, this country is done. We'll be a third world country in five years from now if we're not duking it out with the Chinese before then. And I don't even see us doing that. They're, they're already posturing right now and, and positioning themselves to take what, Taiwan. And look, they're going to take Taiwan. They're going to take the Philippines. They're probably going to take Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia. And guess what? Bye-bye, Australia. Because Australia ain't got a goddamn Navy or Army to fight with. You know, and so th th this is going to be World War II all over again, except this time instead of Japanese kicking everybody's ass, it's going to be the Chinese. And we allowed it. We enabled it. And if it's, you don't think that's true, and I can tell you right now, I live in Indonesia. All right, the Indonesians have found at least three drone submarines on their beaches from the Chinese where they're already navigating, okay, the waterways and mapping out the, 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 uh, the oceanography there for their submarines. They're already doing that shit. And that, I'm sure they've been doing it for a while. The Chinese are going to Taiwan. They're dredging up all the fucking the sea bottom around Taiwan. They're destroying the fucking the fishing grounds. And they're taking that sand and they're moving it and building islands in the South China Sea. So they're fulfilling two objectives. One, they're destroying fishing grounds, hoping that they disrupt the Taiwanese uh, you know, fishing trade and starve them out. And two, they're, they're, building, they're shoring up their offense or their platforms to go in. I think they're going to go to the Philippines. Uh, they're all over there going to Indonesia. Um, in fact, 97% of the Indonesian economy is owned by 3% uh, is, is of the population, which is Chinese. Think about that for a minute. Okay, we, we're leaving the door wide open, and the world is laughing at us. They're laughing at us because we've got a spineless president, because we've got spineless people that actually voted him. And remember, my last thing, I shut my mouth. When people go, well, I'm a Democrat, but uh, I don't support that policy. That's like me saying, well, I'm in the KKK, but I don't support lynching. You either are all in or you're all out. Okay, you can't have it both ways, period. I, I want to give Joe the, the opening to, to bounce. It's, we've kept you 10 minutes past just because I don't... That's fine. Uh, hey, I... I appreciate. It. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up, get going here. But uh, for those Let's watching, get your chair tall. Yeah, no shit, man. Oh man, um, <laughs> bless man. Um, for those that are watching, you know, um, I, uh, I, I agree with Dale. Uh, you know that, you know, we've been put in this position by our elected, you know, president and um, our administration and. Uh, I think people that voted for Biden and then you need to take responsibility for your decision. You're part of the cog, you know, and um, I, I didn't vote for Biden, um, but I don't know how in God's name we are going to get um, back on our feet. I mean, they, I think Dale said it earlier, like we've lost every freaking war since World War II. <laughs> you know, like it's, it, it, this is an embarrassment and, China and Russia and all these other countries that have their shit together are just watching this. And I'm telling you, I agree with Dale. You know, I think China is going to turn into a very, very big threat here uh, very, very soon. And uh, God willing, we'll have a different president and different administration. And then because they're, you know, like any other, you know, predator um uh, country that they can smell weakness, mm -hmm. like they, they can smell like, man, the time is so right. And, I mean, we are in a really, really bad position right now in multiple fronts. But, um, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, if we don't if we don't get some new leadership here, just uh, one more. I'll say one more thing, and I'm going to bounce. Just like this, our Secretary of Defense, right, to come out and publicly say, even if this is, it was true or not, which it's not, 
He said, we don't have the, the capability, I think is the word that he used. We don't have the capability to uh, rescue Americans out of Afghanistan right now. What? Even if it was true, which it's not, okay? That's, you know, why would you even say something so fucking stupid? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, did y'all see him say that? Yeah. yeah. Is that what he said? We don't have the capability yeah. to rescue Americans out of Afghanistan. I mean, yeah, but think about this. The so, Army, oh, think about this. Wow. The, 82nd, the 82nd can move 15,000 paratroopers, okay, in a four-hour recall. They can start spinning up and send. Dude, I've watched it, okay? I was, I've was. i been part of these exercises where we had 150 C-141s and C-130s. Mass tactical parachute jumps. If we can do that, I'm pretty sure. I mean, go back to World War II. Look at the look at the air campaigns there, man. I mean, that's our strength. And to say that we don't have that capability is a ball faced lie. Who's he trying to fool? That's what I'm saying. Fool, why would you even, on the left? Why would you, know? you even say that? Even if we couldn't do it, it it's like saying, you know, <laughs> yeah, come, come, you know, here, we we can't do shit now. Like we we, we can't rescue our own people. We can't. I don't know why you would even make such a weak statement, as so, especially as the Secretary of Defense, to make a comment like that, even if it were true, you still should keep your fucking mouth shut about it. No kidding. When in fact, yeah, so anyway, guys, I'll let y'all take it from there. Hey, Tom, thank you, brother, I uh, from talking. Uh, again, great, great stuff. I just hope people that are listening, you know, um, thank a veteran, you know, yeah. thank a veteran. You know, buy a veteran a lunch. These guys have they they've spilt their blood for a whole lot of nothing right now. So I mean it, just thank a veteran and uh and um you know, God willing, you know, things aren't gonna get worse, but I believe they're going to. So but anyway, I'll uh, I'm gonna bounce here, man, and uh thanks again for the opportunity, Tom. Absolutely. Thanks, Dawn, Joe. thanks, brother. Dale, nice seeing you get yep. my man. Peace out. Feet, Joe. Feel better. Cheers, guys. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Um All yeah. Right. So yeah, what he was saying about you know, even if you can't do it, you know, just lie about it is, I mean, come on, like Reagan looked the, looked the camera dead in the eye and said, we have the capability to shoot down 20,000 Soviet ICBMs. Hell, is it possible? You know, we're still fucking working on lasers. But 40 years ago, he looked the camera dead in the eye and said, we're going to name it Star Wars and do it. I mean, right, there has to be some posturing, which kind of makes me think that, <clears throat> is there a reason to say that? Like, is it just, oh, he's an idiot, right? It's like the day Trump got caught on the news going up the stairs to Air Force One with toilet paper on his shoe, but it was also the same day that he approved sales of weapons to Saudi Arabia, but no one talked about it. They were talking about the toilet. You know, part of me is like, is he dumb? So I look at this, and is it dumb? Like, is it, are we, is a fast one being pulled on us? Is there something behind saying we don't have the capability? I don't know what it would be. But is that? It, I, yeah, you know what it is. It's look. The bad guys know it's a lie. Okay, the Russians, the Chinese, everybody has intel. They know exactly what we have and what we don't have. Just like we know what they have and don't have, or sure. what we're developing or what we're capable. You know who they're trying to acquiesce? Joe Public. They want yeah. us to be all calm. Oh yeah, we got you know. They want you to feel good. So they lie to American people. That's what they're doing. They're lying to the American people. This guy coming out and saying we don't have the capacity to fly all these people out well but you know he's 
okay, I think he's making an excuse, right? It's an excuse to the American people going, well, we're just not big enough, you know, if we don't have that capacity. Well, in fact, we do, right? But it's an excuse for their, but what he's, it's called future pacing. What he's, what he's already doing is setting up the excuse for the fans about to come. Okay. I said well, a while ago we didn't have the capability. That's why all these fuckers are dead now. That's what he's doing, right? It, so, that's what he's doing. He's building his alibi now. I just sorry. I just had this. I just had this image in my head of Dale in like a general suit standing in front of a podium for some. As Dale said, and it's no, it's it's just it's just Dale saying at like the White House press room. He goes, "I said we didn't have the technology. That's why all these fuckers are dead." And it's just like (laughs) this is the this is what really kills me about that we don't have the tech uh, the capability thing. Yeah, I mean it's a lie. So one, I know my own branch better than anybody else's, but. The Marine Corps has these things called fast teams, and their sole job is to be all over the planet, very readily available, so that if an American gets in trouble somewhere, we can put somebody there, right? And don't get me wrong, it's not like, you know, a battalion or anything, but you could get a platoon, and they will land somewhere. This is, this should be famous enough, because Hollywood made a movie about it, uh, that people know that this is true, because there was a movie called Rules of Engagement, where effectively, what we did is deploy a fast team to an embassy and said, uh, hey, there's a riot, put that shit down, (laughs) right? And that really happened. It's a real thing. We can do it basically anywhere in no time flat. Again, it's not going to be, you know, a battalion or anything. On the other hand, we somehow managed to get 7,000 fucking guys to Kabul in like six hours. But we don't have the capability to go get the Americans? 7,000 is a whole base unto itself, right? That That is a lot of firepower that you're talking. Even if you're saying it's 3,500 guys that pull triggers, uh, or even, what is that, like 2,000 because it takes, you know, two guys for every guy that pulls a trigger. 2,000 guys is a shitload of people. I mean, that is a hell of a lot of force you can deploy. But we don't have the capability to get Americans? Who did you send? Who is there? I know there's a bunch of jarheads there because that picture or that video of the guy pulling the baby Uh out of the crowd, that's a bunch of Marines. I'm pretty sure they didn't send the cooks. Just throwing that out there. Somebody there, you know, even if it's MSG, right? These are guys who are there to do violence on behalf of whatever America wants. And somehow or another the most highly trained, skilled, uh, experienced people in the world in doing that sort of thing can't do it anymore? Six months ago, I'm supposed to believe that we were out there just kicking ass and taking names, but, like, what, everybody forgot in six months? Come on! This is bullshit! Obviously! And it it's infuriating, because anyone who has any idea what U.S. military capabilities are, as soon as you hear, we don't have the capability to do that, you're like, we don't? When did that happen? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's in, in Mike Durant's book, In the Company of Heroes, and he talks about being held captive. It was whoever, I don't know if it was an, if it was an, if it was an ambassador or who, but whenever it happened, uh, it was Admiral Howe, H-O-W-E, who the Somalis called Animal Howe because he was ruthless, but he came down and spoke on Clinton's behalf and, you know, Clinton kind of fucked the whole thing up, which is why Durant never went to the White House. But he talks about in his book how, in hindsight, he had learned that Howe went down and spoke with, I don't think it was ID'd, I think it was one of his top men, and said, uh, said, we're getting Mike Durant back. And 
you know, we're going to send down battleships, we're going to send down tanks. And he said, unfortunately, we might destroy your whole city, and we might even kill Durant by accident, but we will be bringing him or his body back. Act accordingly. And whether or not we do that, we don't know. We're a parallel universe. It didn't happen. But he said, like, we're going to... And one, it's... You have to set the precedent for, you know, future servicemen. You have to know that you won't be left behind. But it's also... It's like the same reason for, you know, nuking Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which I, I personally agree with. My dad's dad was going to be part of the mainland invasion, and I wouldn't be here owning this awesome flag. But it's also like, yeah, I mean, to say that we weren't flexing on the Soviets is also a lot. I mean, like, that's exactly what we were doing. It's, there's more than just recovering Mike Durant, you know? I would, you know, we'd all like to think that it's all about, you know, saving the American lives. And to an extent it is, but there's always a bigger picture. And it's also like, there's a certain amount of, you know, it's not about the money. It's about sending a message. This is sending a very clear message. It's either, hey, servicemen, we just don't really give a fuck anymore. So, you know, I wonder why we can't recruit anybody. But it's also, you have to show everyone around that, like, yeah, we might carpet bomb Kabul to get Americans out. And we might even kill some of the Americans by accident. But, like, fuck around and find out. But right now, it's... You know, we're we're holding the fist and we're saying, don't make me do it. And they're coming over and they're kicking you in the nuts and they're taking your Game Boy and taking your Capri Sun. And you're like, oh, I'll do it. And it's like, I don't think he's going to do it, man. Fucking take his lunch, take him whatever, poke him in the, whatever. But it's, that's what's happening. And I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a sad, it's a, just a sad story, man. And, uh, you know, it. And I feel for these guys, man. You know, I'm, I'm in contact. So one of my guys, um, his brother made it out. His brother actually married an American soldier, female, right? <laughs> I have to say that, emphasize it. Female, right? <laughs> and uh, and so um, he actually lives in Tennessee. He's a truck driver. And I've been talking with him as well. And he's been helping me um, with this process of, I mean, I'm, I'm writing letters. I'm, I'm passing documentation pictures of credentials things like that um to literally i'm literally working with a group through a friend through jakarta who's british who's working with australians who actually have aircraft that have been going into Kabul, and i'm trying to get my guys on this aircraft to have them brought to the u.s um you know it's it's you know and so i'm you know i'm up late at night burning midnight oil writing letters communicating i'm in touch with several different organizations in groups trying to make this thing, um, make this happen. And why do we do this, right? So, again, as an American, you know, a real American, okay, as a, as a soldier, I have a, I feel like I have a responsibility, man, to these guys, you know, and if not for any other reason, because they're humans and I've seen what happens, what has happened to them, what can it will happen to them. And uh, I want to know that at least I sleep good at know that I try to do everything I could to save these people's lives or as many as I could bring out of there because I would want them to do the same for me. And uh, when I, you know, I had a, I had one of my guys call me. We've been going back and forth. I'm trying to get him to, to link up with an L&O, you know, hide his family. Um, and uh, he, he, he uh, sent me a, a voice message actually through Facebook. And it's pretty, 
they'll make the hair stamp on your neck. He's, as he's talking to me, asking for help, you can hear the gunfire in the background all around him, you know? And, uh, you know, I mean, that's an eye-opener, man. I mean, well, even though I couldn't see nothing, I can imagine it because what it's like there, you know? And uh, there's there's something for me personal that's, that's at stake here. And, uh, you know, and unfortunately... I feel like in a lot of ways, on one hand, I, you know, I volunteered to go over there and fight and do this thing for what I thought was the right reasons for this country. And then on the other hand, I feel super betrayed, you know, by this country. And so much so that um, I've actually told my son, as have other veterans that I know have told their sons, um, I told my son, get out of the army. He's in special forces. He's a Green Beret. I said, you know what? Do not go and fight on behalf of this country because it's not your country anymore. This is, you'll be fighting for a socialist regime that wants Marxism, that has no respect for you, and will not bring you back. They'll leave your ass out there hanging high and dry. They just demonstrated that. I said, don't do it because you, there's nothing in it for you. You'll feel good about yourself. You'll make a little paycheck. But at the end of the day, you'll leave your wife and kids behind, and nobody will remember. And actually, nobody in this country will give a shit except those of us on the right. And uh, I said, for what? I said, it's time to send, let's go send Antifa, let's go send BLM, let's go send all the Democrats and their daughters. Go let them fight the wars. Let them fight on behalf this time. Let's go and see how that works out. Let's get our boys and girls out of there, you know, let them come home and, and, and you know, and, and, and just kind of sit there and watch this shit show go on. And uh, I've said it to my son more than once, you know, whether he does it or not, you know, it's up to him. Um, I do know one thing, I'm out of, he's not in touch I can't get a hold of him right now. My guess is he's downrange as well. Um, you know, my friends have told their sons that if we're interested in going to the military, don't do it. They're talking them out of it all day long, you know. And yeah. I never thought that that day would come where I would say something like that. And I've, I've made the point that, you know what, I won't even go to fight for my country. You know, I have been downrange pretty recently the few, last few years. Um, I won't go down the range either. The only way I will fight for my country, and I'm not even fighting for my country, I'm fighting for the people on the right, my friends, my family, and those that think like me. Those are the only ones I'll fight for, and I'll fight for them on, this, on our ground. But I'm not leaving this country to go fight on behalf of this country. I'm not going to do it. I'm asking my son not to do it, and I'm asking every patriot, every soldier out there, you know what, you need to reevaluate what you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, there's, there's other opportunities out there. Let the left go fight, do the fighting and bidding for us. Um, cause you're not getting nothing out of this. You're going to get nothing out of this, but death, just like, just like Mogadishu. All right. I remember, so, you know, Don talking about Mogadishu. I remember the morning that we decided, well, we didn't decide, Clint decided to pull us out. I remember Colonel Garrison at the time, Attorney General Garrison came out. We had a formation. It was uh, the unit and it was Rangers. We're standing out there and literally we had the, you know, the little version helicopter sitting there with fragmentation, the holes in all kinds of shit where we got mortared, you know, we've got, you know, you know, you know, all the memorial stuff there for the guys that were killed. And I remember when Colonel Garrison said that he started off like this with that cigar. He's not to go general. He goes, gentlemen, he goes, a war is an extension of politics. And today the decision was made by President Clinton to withdraw. And we all looked at each other like, what the fuck, man? You know, we still got guys out there, man. And, and we came here and had a mission. The mission was to get ID'd and stop the bullshit, stop the carnage, stop all this freaking stuff that's happening to people over there, the innocent stuff. And as a soldier, I remember thinking, you know what? The military, the command expects me to continue the mission and complete the mission. 
What they don't tolerate and they don't expect is we go, hey, man, it's too hard, dear captain. I think I'm going to go ahead and uh, bow out. That's bullshit. But that's exactly what that's exactly what Bill Clinton did. We got punched yeah, in the nose. You go, that's it. I'm, I'm in. I take the gloves off. Come on, guys. And now what do we got? We got 18, 7, 18 different dead bodies, five Delta operators, um, 77 wounded for nothing. They died yeah. for nothing. We can talk about you can talk about you know Vietnam, and here we go. To, you know Afghanistan, going down that road again, man. That why what Americans? Why would you send your kids to go fight when you know that's going to be their fate? Because that's been our track record since World War II. We ain't won a war yet. Why? Not because the soldiers can't fight, it's because the Americans can't fight. You civilians on the left, particularly, you little freaking bleeding hearts, are getting our fucking people killed. That's it. And and I'm, and the president takes blame with that. The administration is also involved with that. There, it's sad, but that's where we're at. There's so freaking much here. So uh, I, I regularly have an, a long form rant about the the we haven't won a war since World War II. Uh, and it, to distill it as hard as possible, it goes something like this. Militarily, we haven't lost a war, like basically ever. Uh, war of 1812, maybe, right? But since then, militarily, we don't lose. When it comes down to the kicking ass and taking names portion, we do it well. We get the military victory. We get the other side beaten down so hard that there is literally nothing they can do. And then the politicians run in and pull it out from under us. Uh, Vietnam had a peace accord signed before we pulled out. And had we just followed what that peace accord said, wouldn't it turn into Vietnam? Afghanistan, right now, hey, look, there's a us pulling out plan. It is long form, but it is tactical. We are scaled down. We had 2,500 guys, give or take, in Afghanistan when Joe Biden took office. And we were pulling them out ish at a rate of like a hundred a year right so presumably that, that i mean that takes a long time to get to 2500 people however near the end you take out more much faster right and so presumably had we followed that we wouldn't be where we are now same thing with korea same thing with i mean pick your place when it comes to uh, you know, the the actual, what the military does, like the, the Tet Offensive, that thing that we lost, go listen to the Vietnam generals talk about it. Oh man, after the Tet Offensive, you, you're going to take it all of North Vietnam with two men and a dog. <laughs> we couldn't stop shit. There's nothing we could do. And we decided because the New York Times printed that that was a loss, right? And no reason for that, literally none. On the front of don't join the military, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been running this podcast for a few years now. I've had a lot of people come to me and go, Don, is it, is it worth it to join the military? You know, is it, should I do it? And I was like, look, man, if you're debating on it, go do it. Cause you are going to be that guy in the bar in 20 years. Who's like, yeah, man. So it. like, I almost joined the Marine Corps. And let me tell you, there's no one on earth. I hate more than that guy, right? That, that guy is a giant douchebag. So if you're debating it, go get after it. On the flip side, this past Eight months, people, yeah, hey, Don, should I join the military? Shit, man, I don't know. I, I'm not so sure that's a good idea. And equally speaking, there are a lot of, and I will be as vague as possible, active duty guys who get a hold of me and go, man, I have never had a problem with what I do. You know, I love this. I There are guys who are in for 18 years who call me up and go, well, should I 
is it worth staying for the extra two? And I'm like, man, Jesus. look, at 18 years, uh, <laughs> you're probably in for the next two, right? But for all the guys who were at 10 years and they're like, I don't know if I want to spend another 10 years doing this. Like, I love the guys. I love the work. I love what I do. But I don't, I don't know it's... if this is a thing anymore. And it is, the morale problems are real. And I have a, normally, you know, if you would come to me five years ago and ask, be like, what are you talking about? You, you love the work, you love the guys, you're doing a great thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> get, get after that next 10 years. But now, it, I, I don't know. It kind of feels like, let's say there wasn't other platforms. Let's say there's only YouTube. Just like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's not like there are other like Western bastions. Like, so let's just say that there's only YouTube and someone came to you right now and was like, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. And like, despite doing 537 episodes, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of, there's a lot of, they're kind of fucking over everybody. I'd be like, what? And I'd be like, yeah. They'd be like, well, you still do it. And I'd be like, yeah. And I'm actively trying to get the fuck out because it's, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do. Like, really, Tommy? I'd be like, yeah, no, I wouldn't start one if I were you. Go to school. Funny enough, that actually just happened to me. Someone came to me and said, hey, man, I'm thinking about starting a podcast on YouTube. And I was like, first thing you better do is be not on YouTube. Yeah, be on other <laughs> like, shit. I don't care yeah. if you are on YouTube. Just also be somewhere else. Yeah, it's now more, you know, this is and this is me wrapping my head in tinfoil now. Part of me thinks there's always like a bigger picture to this stuff. And... I mean, it almost feels like it almost feels like we're laying down we're laying down the framework for like a reinvasion, make it look so bad that we have to go back in, or no. is it <laughs> no. okay? All right, all right. Well, I'll shut up. I'll there, shut up. There, don't, don't look look backwards okay. in history. Okay, all the bullshit that's happened before. What came out of that? Like a bigger, you know. That's true. Yeah, bigger success. Nothing's ever happened. Like you can say, Mogadishu. Well, there's a bigger plan. You know, we pulled yeah, out because we had bigger plan. What happened? Not a damn thing, man. You know right. what? Just a bunch of people got killed and got maimed for the rest of their life. You know, Vietnam. We can go on all day. Here's another one, right? So Desert Shield, Desert Storm. So I'm on the. I'm in Desert Storm, Iraq. Three weeks before the ground war started, 250 miles inside of Iraq, already freaking doing the deed. And uh, w- one morning, we get a call. Um, the ground war had started. We're like two or three days into it. The commander goes, hey, I got good news and bad news, man. Uh, we're like, what? He goes, well, you know, he goes, uh, the bad news is the war is over. And the good news is we're going home. We go, what do you mean it's over? You're just like that. He goes, well, basically, you know, we, we told the Iraqis, if you stop now, you know, we won't destroy you. And, you know, give you a, a fight chance. And I remember standing in the field with my team. And I told them this. I said, you know what? I said, the war is not over. I said, we may not come back to fight it, but our sons will. This will continue on. And it'll be much worse. And, and man, damn, if I wasn't right. So where did we end up? All these years, right? Back and forth, back and forth. Bam, here we go. Back in Iraq. Same thing, you know? So this time our sons, literally. Our sons are going over there fighting. You know, my son's been in Iraq. You know, I mean, like I said earlier, man, Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder can see that shit coming. You know, you don't have to be a freaking politician to figure that out. I'm standing out in the field with sand up my ass going, well, goddamn, anybody can see what's going to happen because they, they don't think like we do. And it's about, you know, nothing good comes out of shit like that. And I'm a firm believer, man, if you're going to go fight somebody, 
you pound their ass into the fucking mud until they can never get back up, man. They're done. And you set the terms and conditions for their survival. After that, you don't sit there and negotiate. Go, oh, now, did you learn your lesson? You got your bloody nose? Nah. You say, did you learn your lesson now that you're paralyzed from the fucking neck down? Yeah, don't ever fuck around again. You know, and then you move on to the next fucking person. You know, it's like what someone said. They're like, you know, the last true... That was a great line, Dale. But they're like, the last... They're like, you know what winning a war looks like? And it was like World War Two, where you, you ruin them so hard that they go from exporting, you know, attacks on Pearl Harbor to now the only thing they make is anime. They're like, you literally rip the testosterone out of their society. You detonate two fission <laughs> bombs over cities to where 80 years later, they're still just producing girls with big eyes dancing. You're like, you want people to look at it and go, man... Man, they had the Imperial Japanese Army. They had Project Golden Lily. They were taking over shit, Manchuria, raping Nanking. And now they've been doing Pokemon. You then look at the U.S. and you go, you go, man, they don't just beat you. You know, they don't just beat you. They they kill you. They marry your wife and they father your children better. Like, you, that's the fear you want. And it's, is there, let me ask this then. Is there, and Don, you explained it well, because you're right, that kind of shot down my, you know, pull the Band-Aid off, I think, the way you explained it. If I'm correct, is it was probably more so like Jenga. We were doing it in, a, in, a, in, a, in an order that, you know, to the best you can, right? Is you know, okay, I get that argument. Was there anything, though, that we were ever going to where our sons weren't fighting it? Like, and I've said this is, you know, I just kind of don't sugarcoat. I'm like, I just think we should annex Afghanistan. I think we should just take it. Just it's a very unpopular view in 2021. I think <laughs> we should just take it. Have a have a, a big military presence close to China. Take the oil. Take the rare earth metals. Like, let's stop pretending it's anything else and let's just take it. But if we're not going to do that, nuke it. And if we're not going to nuke it, then just leave. Is there is there anything? Is there any other outcome other than do we just occupy it for the next century? And to what end? So in 2002, there probably was, right? If the original policy of this war was, hey, look, uh, and again, to everybody who has their long-form argument, I really don't care. If the original policy was Twin Towers came down, you caused this problem, so here's what we're going to do. We're not occupying a country. We're not rebuilding shit. We're going to go break things, kick ass, take names, leave a mountain of dead bodies. And if we ever see you again, we're turning the fucking planet or the whole country into glass. Are, you, are we all clear on how this is going to work? And if we had actually done that, uh, you know, all of this, like all death of empires, country and all this bullshit, we're not annexing your fucking country. We're not here to build your schools or any of that crap. You don't fuck with America or America wrecks your face. And that's it. And just go in there and rip the whole country to pieces and go, uh, dear everybody else who thinks it's a good idea to, to come play on American soil. This is what you can expect. You're right, Don. And that was my, that was where I was going that earlier was we want to fight with all these fucking rules that they don't fight by. So had we gone loose, got, gone in there early and they just let us loose and do what needed to be done. We, there, there would be no issue with Taliban, but we want to, Here's what the here's the problem with the what we did, okay? We went in with a conventional force and tried to fight an unconventional war. We tried to fight guys with fucking sandals and fucking AK-47s that were hitting us and running. 
right? Fucking taking pot shots at us and laying IADs. And what do we do? We just roll out of the fucking front gate, a bunch of armored vehicles, watch them all blow up, get in a fucking contact, pick our bodies up, go back in the fucking gate and just start again, right? We mm. didn't want to, and I'm going to give you a sure story. I, I don't think I've ever put this out there. I actually, I got so frustrated one day that I said, okay, you know what I want to do? I said, I'm going to build a monster garage. I am going to take vehicles, Toyota trucks, whatever Afghans have, and I'm basically going to build these trucks so they have their VBIDs. I'm going to conceal explosives in them, tons, thousands of pounds in a vehicle, right? And I'm going to build it so it just looks like a freaking truck. And I said, I'm going to pre-position them. And basically what we're going to do, when the time when we have a target, we're going to roll it out, fuck in front of his compound. When he comes out to get the mail, to pick up the milk, fucking this thing goes off and levels everything, right? And I put the concept in it. I had it all worked out. And uh, I'm not going to tell you who told me to go stand up my ass, but basically <laughs> the, the word came back was like, we're not in the business of building IEDs. And I fucking, I was so fucking mad. I said, because that's exactly what they're doing us. So I turned around, I wrote the, I wrote another memo back. Um, I said, I'm, I apologize. I, you know, it was poorly worded. They're not really VBIDs. They're what I call WEDs. Wheel explosive delivery system. Does that sound a little bit fucking better, you fucking moron? Right? And so, you know, and they still yes. shot that. And I go, that's why we're going to lose the fucking war because you guys can't think out of the fucking box. You know, you want to do, you want to fight an uncom. Look, every guerrilla war, if a conventional, you take a conventional force, you throw them in a guerrilla warfare uh, environment, they're going to fucking lose. And they can't fight that, man. That's why guerrilla warfare works. That's why terrorism works. It all works because we don't need to go head on with a fucking, you know, they don't need to go head on with a fucking, you know, an army unit. They just got to fucking pop their head out, their gun out, take some fucking shots, kill a couple guys and run away. And they don't have to kill a lot of guys. That's the other thing. You know, we lose one American, fucking America loses its shit. Oh, my God, they just fucking killed another one, you know. They're willing to take fucking hundreds of casualties. They don't care. You know, they're willing to fight the, you know, they're willing to, to, to fight a war of attrition. But what they do with us is basically they're not killing the individual soldier. They're actually killing our fucking, the morale of society. That's what they're yep. doing. And that's how they're fucking winning because why we got all these fucking little bleeding hearts over here that keep saying the same shit. We got to oh, be nice man. to the bad man so he'll be nice to us. It don't work like that. So the, the war casualty thing fucking kills me, right? A bunch of years ago, Bernie Sanders, that douchebag, gave a speech. Oh, we've been, we've been in the Middle East for so many years, and we've lost 7,000 soldiers. And I went, look, you stupid fuck. We lost 20,000 Marines taking Iwo Jima in 30 fucking days. Yeah. Like, just to put in perspective what war casualties look like, 20,000 in 30 days, and it was something like 7,000 in 15 years. Yeah. That, that, that's how war works. People die. That, those are the rules. It's what war is about. You know, if there was some sort of easy answer of like, well, we could just go to the Taliban and be like, please don't bomb things anymore. We would have done it, presumably. But we at some point went, okay, we're, we're going to go shoot people in the face. And it turns out that the people that you're going to kill, uh, they shoot back. Who knew? <laughs> you know, it's... and we are just such giant pussies about it because, you know, everybody's like, "Oh, the greatest generation, World War II," and I'm like, "Well, the problem is not war fighters, right? You send these guys out there, and you know, you give them whatever gear you've got, best you've got, and you say, you know, go, go kill the enemy." And it turns out that we're pretty good at that. The problem is that, like, oh, well, uh, you know, after and. This kills me because we go, like, lay siege to cities, right? Like, so I was there for the siege of Marsha. And we lost two guys or something in the whole siege of Marsha. They killed, like, 5,000 Taliban. 
or ISIS, I think it was at the time, and two, 5,000. Those are amazing numbers. <laughs> kind of like what, Bill, kind of like what, side notes, kind of like what Bill Hicks said about De- uh, Desert Storm. He goes, did you know how many casualties we had? We had 89, or was it 79? I don't know what it was. He goes, did either of you recall what was Desert Storm? Was it uh, no, the two. He goes, we had 89. They had 400,000. You're telling me we could have sent 90 guys <laughs> and had a one-man ticker tape parade? But, like, but you know, I was thinking everybody hates him. I don't care. He has a great ghostwriter. Bill O'Reilly's Killing the Rising Sun is such an insanely good book because it goes in and talks about Iwo Jima, Okinawa, Okinawa Peleliu, and you can see what it was. It was guerrilla warfare, right? Pre-Vietnam, pre-Middle East. You can see what it was and just how much it took to truly wipe out an island. And much like suicide bombers, when there was nowhere else for them to go, they would stab themselves, right? Or they'd hold a grenade to their head or chest. And you can see that mindset. And then we're getting ready for the mainland invasion. And on July 16th, 1945, at 5.45 a.m., we detonated Trinity in Alamogordo, New Mexico, the first successful fission bomb. That evening, the components were both flown out and then boated out on the Indianapolis. That evening, it worked. Get them over to Tinian Island. And then we went and we said, there's going to be this many casualties, which we've seen. This isn't theoretical. We just saw on the entire island hopping campaign. Or we can just vaporize a city. Mm-hmm. They didn't listen. We can vaporize another city. See what happens. I mean, that's the greatest generation. And I don't say that sarcastically. So, I mean, at a certain point, do you does 9-11 happen, which is Pearl Harbor? And do you start going in there and going after Afghanistan? We see, oh, just how much this is going to take. Do you just vaporize the city? Well, what is the long term? Is it more humane to do that? <laughs> I can't yes. say it's not, you know, I can't say it's not. And I, I always have to kind of hold myself back when I'm talking because I haven't served. I don't know anyone that's died, you know, fighting. So I, it's very easy for me to say rah, rah, America. We, But I mean, at a certain point, I mean, what was it Curtis LeMay's quote about using excessive force? Because Curtis LeMay, you know, head of Strategic Air Command, Secretary of the Air Force under Kennedy, you know, his it, he was scared that if we lost the war, he would be tried for war crimes, or uh, General Leslie Groves, who's in, or was it, yeah, Leslie Groves, who's in charge of the Manhattan Project, said that they kind of had to rein LeMay back in because they wanted a fresh, untouched city to detonate a nuke over. And LeMay was making fresh, untouched cities very difficult to come by because he was just bombing all of them. But what he said is use excessive force, use overwhelming force, make the civilian casualties unbearable, make them nightmarish, because in the end, you will save more lives. When yes. your side goes, what did we just do? When the enemy goes, what the fuck did they just do? It will end quickly when you're allowed to go at each other's throats. You're going to save lives. We probably would save lives if on September 12th, fucking Kabul or Baghdad or whatever was just vaporized. And everyone collectively in the world just kind of goes, whoo, Jesus. And 
this this is the thing. Uh, I, though I have something horrendously, I'm sure, in the upper echelons of the military, horrendously unpopular to say. You want to know why you get those stories out of out of the island hopping campaigns that sound a lot like it was two guerrilla forces going at it? Because there was no capability of upper echelon command to come in and go, oh my God, stop! There was not a possibility for a seat-polishing douchebag in D.C. to go, oh, these guy, you know, island hopping campaign, so mostly Marines, uh, are they are going out there just laying waste to the enemy. By the time the D.C. figured that out, it was already done. And there was nothing anybody could do about it. Today, and I, I don't know how much everybody else has had to deal with this, but I've seen people have to deal with this personally, is, uh, hey, we're getting shot at. Well, just sit in the MRAD. <laughs> what? No. Like, th- there's an MRAD, and it has a 50 cal on top. And you do a little bit of this... And uh, the guy shooting at you turns into red paste. And then you're not getting shot at anymore. And then you know what happens is no one comes back tomorrow because they go, oh, man. <laughs> the one guy that lives goes, yeah, so there were six of us and we shot at that MRAB. And and then we just got lit up with a 50 cal. Uh, yeah. let's, let's not do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right? But now you've got the political concern can literally get down to the guy with the rifle individually a guy with a rifle goes hey i'm getting shot at and there's there's video there's there's reports going on going straight up the chain of command tons of them make it all the way back to dc and somebody in dc goes well it it would be really bad optics if like one of those guys threw down an ak-47 and then we shot him so just tell everybody to disengage and just you, you can't win in a violent situation like that. You know that, Don, that actually happened to me. I remember one night on a target. Man, we I don't know how I many thousand feet we climbed up this mountain, but we got up there. We, we went into a village. It was a firefight. Um, and then I remember some of the guys, some squatters we called, you know, ran out of the village. They were running down this hill. I mean, it's very long, steep hill. And uh, and I saw them with my nods as they were running down the hill trying to get away. And I got ready to engage them. And I remember one of the other guys, my guys were with me, grabbed me and said, don't do it. And I go, why? And he pointed up at the ISR bird. He goes, they're recording everything. And mm-hmm. you'll get freaking prosecuted for shooting the guy in his back. Even though he's a bad guy, and he might be moving to a better, more strategic terrain, tactical terrain, um, because he's running away. You shoot that guy. Till he know, fires again. You're a bad, yeah, bad man you know, if you shoot him. And here I go, and I, I had paused, and I stopped, and I thought about it. I was like, man, you know, what is going on here, you know? And so I watched the war shift, you know, from the time I was over there in, what, 2002 um, till I, you know, I basically said that I had enough 2011. I watched how it devolved. I don't want to say evolved. It devolved, as you said, you know, all the all the political shit started coming in, you know, all the, you know, all the, all the ROE requirements. Then, and then it got to a point where, Literally, and there was one point in the beginning where I could literally walk into the office, go, hey, boss, I'm going to go take the guys out tonight. We're going to smoke this target. We're going to go catch this guy, whatever. And he'd be like, okay, just you know, let me know what happens in the morning. And I'll, right. I went. And then it got to a point where in 2010, 2011, uh, so I'm sorry, I want to go hit this target. Okay, got to write a concept of operations, right? And then I got to <laughs> submit it. It takes three or four days for approval. I go, but the guy will be gone by then. Right. Yeah, I know. Here you go. Do it. 
Yeah. It's the same. It's the same problem, you know. It once uh, somebody, uh, World War II, I forget who was talking about uh, the problem with our Navy was that the U.S. Navy had something like an average of twenty-five typewriters per ship, so that they could fill out paperwork, so that they could do con ops things. And every other military in the world had at most one that what they did is type reports about what they did, and this was <laughs> indicative of you know how much we were getting uh, bureaucratic in the military and in a, a, a heavily bureaucratic military simply can't get anything done uh because bureaucracy just works like that um and it's you know it's a it's a thing that you see in really weird places as well um you know the again i reference hollywood mostly because it's all of the things that anyone has to to understand how the military works if you've never been there but go go watch lone survivor again and watch the opening scene you know uh so there are three options we we get out uh we ignore it or we terminate the compromise and the first thing that gets said is cnn seals kill kids <laughs> come on <laughs> what, yeah. what? The, the taliban does not care uh in, in that particular instance whether or not it's a 12 year old holding an ak-47 or a 20 year old or a, a 50 year old they are handing those people guns and saying you are a fighter ready go right yeah. and if and they're you know the, the guys in that movie uh, are are correct right it, operation red wings for anybody who doesn't know um if if they had just gone you know what problem solved and that ever got out it would be seals kill kids we're terrible people oh my god on the other hand we probably never would have heard of operation red wings right yeah it's just it right. would have been a successful mission that would have been that so the trade-off here whether anybody wants to admit it or not is either you be brutal and you get the job done or you get operation red wings Th those are your options there's not a third way <laughs> Is... And, and, the, and they were they became very good at that the exploiting that the, the Taliban. I remember we did an op one night and uh, bad guys on target, freaking gunfight ensued, dead dead guys on target, all Taliban laying on the on, the, on their laying around the freaking compound. Um, next morning, the the news media comes in, journalists come in. Uh, there's dead guys laying around. None of them have weapons with them, and they see uh, five by six brass sprinkled all around. Going, look, the Americans just came in. And they killed all these men while they were praying. They laid them on the prayer rugs and shit, you know. And then that turned into, um, you know, we want compensation. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what, we, what happened. Here you go. Tons of fucking money for the village. Everybody involved yep. is saying, just shut the fuck up. You know, it still made the news. Oh, but, yeah. You know, it's, it, but, you know, that's so they knew how to play the game and how to exploit it. Oh, yeah. um, because everybody was afraid to, you know, to actually do their job. And I, I give you another example, and I may have said this before. I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the fence how much I want to talk about this one. But I, I had a situation where my guys went out, and they were being targeted by Taliban. They heard the com they heard the conversation over the radio. IEDs were in place, and and my guys actually rolled up on on the Taliban first. Okay, they ended up catching the the guy in charge. He was a level two Taliban commander carrying a card, card carrying Taliban commander, level two. Right, with over 50 KIAs, kills um, some Americans. And uh, they didn't kill them. They grabbed them, rolled them up. The reason they didn't kill them is because we beat in their head, try to catch the bad man so we could talk to him. Okay. Um, 
So they did. This guy threatened them right there in the field. He said, I'm going to kill all your families when I get out of here because I know I'm getting out of here in 72 hours because that's what John McKay said. So he goes, I'm going to yeah. kill every one of your families, right? And so they didn't take that too lightly. They beat the shit out of this guy. They beat him literally. They brought him to the edge of death, but they didn't kill him, right? And we didn't know that until they brought him back to us, and uh, he was nothing but a big, gobbly, green thing, freaking throwing up fucking bile <laughs> everywhere, bleeding out of his back. And there's some some really gory detail shit I won't go into now, but it's like this will really blow your mind if you heard everything they did to this guy. But uh, make a long story short, um, we ended up having to you know keep this guy alive because you know because now we're getting all the scrutiny and uh, a whole bunch of men Americans got relieved, um, literally got relieved, got sent back to the U.S. Um, that had nothing to do with this. It just happened to be at the base at the time, and it's like, well, you're in charge, you're in charge, you're in charge, you're out of here. And then the next thing that came down, actually me and another guy, there was two of us, three of us. I mean, we were like, we better get a lawyer between all of us. Even though we had nothing to do with this, okay, we said we better get a lawyer because these guys are on a witch hunt. And and so the next thing that came down was um, you will release this guy. And by the way, they brought him in with all his IEDs, explosives, <laughs> trigger systems, everything, right? I had it. I managed all that. I had all that stuff. They said, basically, you will give him back everything, all his IDs, explosives, his guns, his credentials, and you'll let him, let him go, send him free. I thought, you've got to be kidding. And this was under Obama's administration. I want to add that in there, right? So um, this was a CYA thing. Let him go. And I won't tell you what happened after that, but I can tell you that we let him go without his explosives and stuff, but he didn't get very far because basically he got ruled up by the Afghan, uh, the, the Afghan national police and others, their intelligence. And, uh, you know, whatever happened to him after that, I don't know. I don't care. We let him go. <laughs> you know, what they did was up to them, right? So I, I'll just say it like, like that. But that's the point. The point is we were literally, you know, we weren't there to win the war anymore. We weren't there to, you know, we completely lost focus of the mission. And uh, it became nothing but politics, man. People will lose their jobs over politics. And... Uh, I'm thinking in my mind, everybody should have said, damn, that what really should have happened is like, hey, how come you guys didn't just kill the guy, man? Why are you, right. what are you guys Why doing, right? still alive? And, and oh, he has my, intel? And, okay, that's a good reason. Yeah, yeah, and my Afghans actually came to me, head hanging down, <laughs> because they got kind of chastised over all that. And they go, but sir, you know, you guys tell us that we should catch these guys so, you know, you can talk to them. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what to do, but, you know, if, if you don't bring anybody back from here on out, I don't care what you did. I don't want to know about it. You just do what you got to do as an Afghan, right? Yeah. For your country. Let's just leave it like that, you know? And so, um, you know, but that's where we were, man. And uh, like I said earlier, you know, I was rolling up the same talent, the same guys over and over, you know, catching them more than once, you know? And I'm like, are you again? You know, yeah. they get they get locked up for three days. Even though they're bad guys, we're in a firefight with them. They were out again. Mm. And, uh, and people wonder why, you know, this is happening right now. It's because of this mindset. This mindset that starts with, it actually starts with the politicians are worried about what the liberals on the left are going to think and say of them and not vote them in. So they acquiesce to, they're actually, the politicians are acquiescing to the bleeding hearts in this country, which actually affects the war fighters downrange. You're actually putting soldiers in more jeopardy because when yeah. we got to go downrange. I had a special forces team would come to me and they would ask me if me and my guys could go out with them at night. And the reason why is because they were only allowed to do what's called soft knock during the day. They literally had to go up to the compound. Hey, Mr. Bad Guy, come on out. You're under arrest. And, of course, the guys were not coming out. They were coming out shooting. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. And so they asked me to bring my guys. Why? Because I could actually use explosives, not an explosive breach. I can go in a day or night and do the job, right? So I was, in that sense, I could help them out. But it shouldn't be like that. It should have never been like that. We got to knock on the door, you know, and ask the bad guys to surrender. Come on, you know, in the daylight too. And even the, and even some of the special forces team, like the SEALs, um, they can only fly during the day. They couldn't fly at night. Um, yeah. well, I, didn't, I know that because I actually had to go out with them and vet them on certain operations just to make sure that they can work with us. It was crazy, but it had nothing to do anymore with war fighting and winning the war. It had everything to do with all these bullshit bureaucratic rules to appease who? The civilians in America, okay, the left-wingers, the bleeding hearts, and, and of course the administration because they wanted to get voted in again. They didn't want to lose the damn jobs. Yeah. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. And that's why I said earlier, you know what? For every soldier out there, man, you know, I hate to say this. This is going to sound bad, but just drop your shit and walk away, man. You know, you're going to die for nothing. Nobody's going to give two fucks. Nobody, man. You, you nobody. I bet you guys listening right now, they can't name five guys from fucking Mogadishu. Right now. No. You can't remember their fucking names, can you? No. You know? Mike Durant, Randy exactly. Sugart, Gary Gordon, uh, Sergeant Eversman. Fuck, who's the general? You said it well, earlier. I know, I know, and neither did Eversman or Durant. Ger I tried. Uh, Bi uh, Bill Bull, uh, Bull Briley, he was Durant's co-pilot. Yeah. Uh, and well, Do and he, Dominic, but, Dominic something? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can remember all the Delta operator guys because obviously Shukart, actually one of the guys Gordon, on my team. Bull Briley. Yeah. Um, Phil Basemore, um, I don't know. Anyways, there's, uh, you know, but the point is nobody Pila, can remember. Pila, the first ranger killed. Pila? 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 Yeah, I don't, Pila, I don't remember. Fuck you. I'm going to get, I'm going to answer this. Pila, <laughs> Pila, Gary Gordon, Randy Shugart, Bill Briley, and I think the, one of the pilots, I, I remember his name, it was Dominic something. There's yeah, five. There, Fuck there, you, there. Dale. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. But you had to work out it, right? But actually, yeah. you remember because that's what you do, man. You, you know, that's this true. is you. But that's the true. average American, the average American can't tell you what year that happened. Um, oh, if you ask them what Mogadishu was, they couldn't even tell you what country that's in um, because they just didn't give two shits. Okay. We're coming to um, a point where if you ask people about Mogadishu, they'd ask you what happened there. Exactly. Let, let alone who was there or. Uh, what choices we made or how well it worked out. Mogadishu. Uh, isn't that just some war-torn city because people reference it as one? Th that's it. That's all we know. Uh, and, you know, the, the lessons, and for anybody who is, is even interested in military history, the lessons that we have learned as a country about how to fight wars over the past hundred years are all being forgotten. Uh, you know, you can go back uh, and and I have right. Go listen to the guys that were in Sog, and they will they will tell you we learned all these lessons already. Right? We we know that this is how this works. Uh, look, maybe we didn't know before that because let's face it, calling an air in any way that we understand was not a thing in Korea or World War II. Right? But how to apply force, how to get things done, how to deal with guerrilla fighters, etc. We know these things, uh, you know, there, if you go back and listen to, uh, Chesty Puller talk, because again, I'm a dumb jarhead, uh, and you know, he's Chesty Puller. He talks about how to get this done in Haiti in something like 1912. 
Yeah. Right. You know, this guy was on it. And the lessons that he learned at the time with inferior equipment, with uh, with the, the capability to call air was non-existent, right? Uh, but, hey, you, uh, there's a story about, like, the first contact he ever gets uh, because he he misses uh, some something, right? Uh, and then it ends up in Haiti because he's trying to stay in the Marine Corps. And he goes down there and they put him in charge of local nationals and they're out patrolling and they have this problem where anytime they patrol, uh, they get into contact and uh, basically everybody's answer is turn around and run away. And so Puller gets down there and he's got his guys and he says, uh, you know, they, they start taking fire and he says, everybody will left and go kill them, right? Uh, and they charge into the jungle. They just smoke these guys. Uh, it, it is basically where you get the Marine Corps doctrine of if you're getting shot at, just go, go, go kill them, right? Because the next time that Puller goes out, nobody goes near it to the point that he ends up having to chase them down in the hills because all of the, let's face it, they're insurgents in modern day vernacular, like, man, we're not fucking with that guy. Anytime we shoot at that guy, he tracks us down and kills us. So if he's out patrolling, leave him alone. Right. And that is exactly the kind of mentality you need the enemy to have is you are on the defense. You have to look out for me. You had better be the one to know not to fuck with me. I do whatever the hell I want, but that's not the game we play anymore. And that's a hundred year old lesson of how to deal with guerrilla warfare. Right. One that regardless of how many other times we learned it, we definitely knew that but we just forget it because it's not politically convenient at the time. Yeah, well, here we are. <laughs> so the, the, probably the question a lot of people have is what's going to happen next. And uh, I was talking to somebody earlier today, um, part of this evacuation plan, and they're, and they're, they're a pretty high level man in, in the intelligence community. And they can, they kind of concurred and actually support what I had to say. But uh, here's what I think is going to happen. The window is closing fast for people to get out. And yeah. uh, listen, if the Taliban were thinking, and they're probably already thinking this, but I, this is what I would expect. This is the world according to me. I would go, you know what? We got a whole bunch of American soldiers held up beside this airfield. Um, we got lots and lots of American citizens outside the airfield trying to get in the airfield. We got talent, you know, uh, uh, Afghans trying to get in. We got, a, a, you know, we have just a soup right now, a ship soup. And what they could do, what I would do, is I would just go ahead and start, start an engagement. Take out as many Americans as you can. You know, let the fight go. And what's going to happen? Nothing, man. We're going to get our ass handed to us again, both politically, um, you know, and militarily, because. I hate to say it, those 6,000 guys in the, in the wire, they're really not protected because if anybody's ever been to that uh, that airport, it's not like it's super protected. You know, they've got some chain fence and some, you know, heads goes around it, but it ain't hard to breach. And 6,000 guys aren't going to be able to cover that whole perimeter. Uh, and the other thing is, I don't know if it's true or not, but my understanding is we may have left some surface air missiles there. Um, yeah. But even if, even if we didn't leave SAMs there, uh, you know, it's already been proven time and time again, particularly in Mogadishu, that, oh, yeah, you can actually shoot down a helicopter or, guess what, a troop transport or a passenger plane with an RPG. 
you hit that son of a bitch on takeoff and landing, and you got a now you got a real mess. Just think about that for a minute. You take one of those aircraft out on the airfield, okay? Now you can't land anything or take it off. I mean, they could make this a real. They could make this really, really, really bad. Um, yeah. You know, and then they could win all kinds of brownie points. You know, um, among themselves and morale. Um, my God, what a mess that would be. What would we do then? And I fully expect there's going to come a point here in a minute where they're going to go, hey, let's keep some of these Americans. Um, we can keep them hostages. We can use them as bargaining chips for other stuff. Um, you know, right now the Taliban's in control. And you know how I know that they're in control? Because Biden keeps telling them, well, we're in negotiations with them and we're asking them to not do this. And, you know, we'll fight by the treaty. We'll be out by the 31st. Like, why are we playing by the rules? And they're not. You know, we're asking them, hey, to be nice, let us get out of here. Well, they're not playing by the rules, but we're trying to play by his rules by the 31st. I'm like, fuck the rules, fuck everything. You know what? We'll get out of here when we're ready to get out of here. We ain't going nowhere right now. And so we get everything we want, and you guys back off, you know? And that's what, that's what it should be, but that's not what's happening. We're actually, we're actually dealing with it. We're actually asking for permission, you know? We're asking, yeah, go fuck with us so we get everybody out here. That's how pathetic we are now. Now, if I was a child, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to rip you a new ass anyways, you know? <laughs> Freaking start dropping mortars. <laughs> There's a thing that is going on right now that hasn't happened, to the best of my knowledge, ever. And that is that for the first time in all of history, American forces could be, just based on the gear we've left behind, subject to the combined arms dilemma, as opposed to the ones executing. They have air, they have mortars, they have you know artillery, right? We know they have all this, they have small arms fire. For the first time ever, we've got what seems to be about, what, like two regiments or something worth of guys just sitting there, they're just infantry. That's all they are, they're just guys with rifles. Now for anybody who doesn't know what the combined arms dilemma is, the premise is that uh, a guy with a rifle is great, a guy with a rifle and artillery is better, a guy with a rifle, artillery, and air is basically king dick on the battlefield. And we are in a position where the United States, for the first time ever, is the only the guy with the rifle. And the number of casualties that are available to be on the table in that situation is pretty fucking gigantic. Go listen to, I, I mean, Dale was talking about it earlier, right? You, you call jets, everybody gets the hell down because the jets, what are you going to do, right? You know, shoot them out of the air is almost impossible. Uh, they're moving too fast. They, they, are, they will kill you as fast as they feel like doing it if you stay standing up. And we are now in that position. We now, for the only time I can think of in all of American history, are the guys with just a guy with a rifle on the ground and no support. And we have given the people who want to kill us all the stuff that they have been subjected to, so they damn well know the tactic. Whether or not they can execute very well is a different story, but they damn well know the tactic, right? If they flew a whole, all those goddamn Blackhawks they have, just went, load them up, get in the air. I, it's a real problem. And you want to talk about how bad it could get? Every day that goes by that we're not kicking their ass and taking their names, they are building confidence that we won't. Every day, that we are not going, look, we dictate the rules. What they are seeing is that we are the prey and they can do whatever they want. And we know there's already video of it. They can fly the Blackhawks. We know they can. Uh, they have drones. They have 
all kinds of munitions, right? You know, that more 240s than I've ever seen in my life, right? So they can deploy machine gun teams very clearly, right? We are in a position where we have taught them what it looks like to militarily win a war for 20 fucking years and then gave them all the tools to kick our ass and then went out there without any of that shit ourselves. If they decide that they want to steamroll that airport, whether or not it's difficult to breach, ain't going to matter. Uh, what, there's 50 Blackhawks in the air. What are you going to do? You, what, I, I hope you you are supremely good with that Mark 19, because that's probably what you've got, right? You know, that uh, what the various uh, recoilless rifles, right? You, oh, we've got AT4s. Okay, well, I hope you brought more than they have fucking helicopters, and I hope you never miss, because you are in the absolute worst shitstorm. You are the subject of what has been the American military's cream of the crop for 70 years and we taught them how to do it and then put ourselves in a position to have it done to us it is i I was watching all of the video of what they have start come out and i went holy shit this is this is literally the worst tactical position we've ever been in those guys that we're sending if the taliban wanted to tomorrow they're all dead and there's nothing we can fucking do about it because by the time we got like, look, we could get there, we could get guys out, et cetera, et cetera. We could reinforce. But by the time that we got there, everybody'd be dead. And there's nothing we could do about it. Oh, it reminds me of a story. I was I'm, again I won't mention the, the location, but it was up in the Kunar province and a small, very small camp. Um, I would say it was probably 150 meters square. And um, it used to belong to the Soviets, the Russians when they were there, and it was three hundred Spetsnaz there. And uh, in this valley, um, they were, you know, surrounded by Afghans, you know, villages, things like that. And so one day, the commander of the base decided to go to, to the village elders, and he told them to bring out all your doctors, your, you know, all your military age males, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We want to have a talk, you know, a peaceful talk, and, and kind of work things out, which was a lie. So they all came out, and what did they do? They killed them all, right? And uh, huge mistake, because then... I think it was Hekmadiar. Um, they fucking came. They they, owned, they were the, the tribal. He was a tribal lord in that area. Um, they surrounded that camp and they annihilated that camp and everybody in it, dude. Um, now these are guys with you know with flip flops and AK-47s, freaking beat the shit out of the fucking modern army. And even when I was there, we were still digging up bones from the Russians that were left over from this thing. You know, they they were slaughtered. It was it was Fort Apache, you know, 10x. Um, so anybody that thinks that these guys can't pull some shit off, right? Look, if they actually have seventy thousand Taliban, I know they're not all in Kabul, but even if they had twenty thousand there, um, plus all the gear and stuff they had, look, they, they start off with indirect fire mortar, um, and then they just work their way in there. They, they could get this thing over pretty damn fast. You know, a damn thing we can do about it, you know, nothing. We could yeah. see potentially six thousand paratroopers. You know, Marines and, uh, you know, 10th Mountain and everybody else in there slaughtered, man, in place. Yeah. Oh, my God, man, what a mess that would be. What a freaking nightmare. Yeah. Holy shit. And, and the yeah. other thing, it, let, can we can we be honest with ourselves for a moment and say that after 20 years, we should know that when they think they're in a position of strength and the U.S. military is physically in the vicinity, they call in reinforcements every single day? Like, we know this. So... Okay, day one, they had maybe 10,000 Taliban there. By day five, they have at least 20. By day 10, 
they will have 30 or 40,000. If they think this is an engagement space, specifically if we're acting weak, they will just keep flowing guys in. And there is a very realistic possibility that at this point, they're just going, well, we just need overwhelming force, right? You know, and the Americans are being pussies about it. So uh, we'll just flood in guys until we think we're going to win. And they've done it before. It doesn't It doesn't get talked about very often, but there was, uh, I think it was a Green Beret. He was in uh, some compound somewhere and uh, about 50% of his troops turned on him or something like that. And they planned, called in Taliban, got dozens and dozens of guys there. And him and his remaining troops stood and fought for three or four hours or something. Uh, air was red, which for anybody who doesn't know means you can't, you can't fly. There's a sandstorm over the base or whatever, which they had waited for because they knew, right? Hey, there's a sandstorm over the nearest air base. You can't get planes in the air. So we'll wait for that and then we'll execute. And they overran that compound and smoked that guy. It's just the same thing on a bigger scale. And if, if you think jackassed artilleryman from the Marine Corps knows that and the Taliban doesn't, I got another thing coming. They know just fine, you know. It's, um, I got, <clears throat> I got to be gone by five, so we got 15 more minutes. But, you know, on a dark note, I can't wait for the eventual movie to come out in the next five or six years called Kabul, which I'm sure is coming. And I don't even know if the movie is finished yet because the big part might be coming. Big part might be coming. But, yeah. man, you know, I was going to say, you know, about them calling in reinforcements. And Mark Bowden's Black Hawk Down, he, he, you know, he goes from the Somalis point of view to the Americans, you know, with all these interviews afterwards. One of the lines that always stuck out to me was, the Somalis, they were, you know, they had been observing the Rangers and then the Delta guys. And, uh, you know, they, they finally concluded after like a couple weeks of like operations, they go, you know what? We found out their weakness. See, the Americans fear death. And I, to me, it was just like, well, yeah. But the fact that they concluded that and it was like a point of observation, they're like, oh, wait, these guys are scared to die. Implied that they didn't give a shit if they died. And it was like, oh, there is, okay, well, now it doesn't matter if we are more well-equipped. When they don't care about death, I mean, Don, what you said, calling in reinforcements, they they always call them, they don't care what the odds are. 19 guys with box cutters. They didn't yeah. give a fuck. It wasn't like, oh, America's on their knees. No, they went to downtown New York and the Pentagon. Like, they yeah. don't give a fuck. So, you know... If there's ever been a time to really roll out some, like, drones, Boston Dynamics, you guys really want to, hey, the stage is set. If we want to see, you know, some some automated, like, ground bots, now's the time to do it. Because if not, if they have any air, then you're going to have to go in there with some, like, B2 spirits and start carpet bombing from the mesosphere. But I don't know, man. Something's not right. There's a, there's a sort of anecdote that demonstrates this really well. Uh, in two separate wars, both Korea and Vietnam, uh, most of the forces, wherever Marines were operating, had a standing order that said, if you find a dead Marine, turn around and run. Because if you find one dead Marine, there's probably 300 out there looking for it. And they will kill you. And this is the kind of mentality that we need to be having in these kind of wars, right? Where if the enemy simply stumbles across a dead American body, they're like, oh shit, we better go. 
somebody somebody is pissed and they are out here ready to do violence that has not been seen on this earth to all of us because if your enemy doesn't have that kind of fear of you they're like oh we found a dead marine set of trap right this was such a bad idea in both korea and vietnam that it was just get away from it because they don't leave them there they come back and get them they they respect their dead but they will do untold violence to you if they find you within the nearest 500 meters because they think you did it regardless of whether or not you did and they don't care that is the mentality you need your enemy to have that is how you win wars that is how you you break the morale of the opponent that is the kind of thing that you want them to be thinking about instead of digging a hole and planting an ied right because if all of afghanistan was look if you're digging a hole you better have a really good excuse because the american military will find you and they'll go shovel hole you fucking shoot them <laughs> you know the people who want to dig holes goes down pretty dramatically <laughs> yeah it yeah. what kind of last thoughts and i i saw this online the other day and it kind of made me think you know if they're all in like the whatever the presidential palace or something if they're all there taking over Kabul, they're all right there, not hiding. <laughs> I mean, we could really put a Biden could really put a bow on this. I just, well, I mean, actually, he just actually, let me, let me, let me, they're let all me right there. That. Biden could but save Tom, this. Me, Biden could completely save face. No, Tom, let me address that, man. That's funny you said that. So here's a good point. All right, so you know, not too long ago, Biden said. You know, it came out, you know, he was basically, um, you know, countering someone and talked about, you know, what if Americans rise up, you know, against the American government? He's like, you know, don't even think about it because we have nuclear weapons and we have, um, you know, F-15s, right? So he's basically threatening American people, like, don't you dare try to challenge the government because we'll, we'll smoke you. So right there, where that, right there, that says it all. One, um, the fact that he wouldn't even threaten America is, is, you know, unacceptable. More importantly, as a commander in chief, he obviously doesn't know what he's talking about because let's go back. Look at let's, what does he use Mujahideen? The Mujahideen guys again with sandals and AK 47s beat the Russians' ass, right? In reality, they kind of beat us too. Okay, they at least they neutralized us for 20 fucking years. Now, yeah, granted, you know, there was the politicians that, you know, that put us in this position, but, uh, but here's the thing about, you know, for example, if the, American, if the president turned American military against, let's just say, a militia, American militia, okay? The problem is American militia, American military has a centralized command. Guess what? When we talk about a militia, just like we're talking about the Mujahideen, like we're talking about the Taliban, guess what they don't have? They don't necessarily have a centralized, centralized command. It's decentralized, right? So you can take out the whole embassy with a bunch of Taliban leaders. Guess what? The, the thing with any kind of a, a movement like that is you don't need, and that's the beauty of it, you don't need a, a command element to control everything. All you need is purpose, a mission. What is the mission? Okay, like, for example, in the United States, the mission is freedom. So every guy could operate unilaterally. He knows what the mission is, right? Mm -hmm. he, doesn't need to have, he doesn't need to have one guy in charge controlling everything. Therein is the difference. So you can take out that embassy. I've heard that argument several times. Okay. Like, so what? There are commanders everywhere. And guess what? If there's not, somebody will step up because you know what? You know what motivates them and what their what's their drive? Their drive is Sharia law. This mm -hmm. this this adherence to this principle of religion 
that, that is dogma that, that they're ingrained into them. So that will yeah. just, that will take, make the, this guy step up and all he's got to do is abide by Sharia law and all the, and all this dogma that goes with it and, and, and continue the mission. So that's not going to work either. And that's the difference between, and that is why conventional armies always lose to guerrilla forces because of that reason. You know, mm-hmm. that's not the only reason, but that's one of the reasons. Yeah, it, it's a big one that, you know, recruiting, uh, and, and we had the same problem with the BC in Vietnam, right, is that it didn't, in some ways, it really didn't matter how many of them we killed as to whether or not they could get new forces. Now, part of that was because China was just pumping people in Vietnam as fast as they could, and the Chinese didn't care. Um, and we had this, that same problem in Korea. But that's not any different in Afghanistan, right? You know, the um, again, Hollywood, because it's all anybody's got. Uh, go watch Generation Kill. It's the second or third episode. They're talking about, hey, this guy came from Pakistan. Uh, I, I wonder if anybody's ever going to hear about this, right? Because the the ideology that gets them recruits is much bigger than the confines of you know the borders of Afghanistan. Uh, they they will always be able to get more people, um, and so you need something other than just, well, you currently have guys on the field and we killed them. This is why the brutality of it is so important, right? Is, uh, look, so, uh, okay, we can recruit more people, but the Americans are not interested in being here and fighting a long war if, again, in 2002, we had just gone in there and just, just wrecked people, right? Just, uh, okay, we're turning this place into a disaster area, and then we're leaving, whether you like it or not. Uh, because that doesn't give you something to engage with. It's just, well, uh, if you piss off the Americans, there's a lot of raw violence, and then they go home. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's there's not ROE games. There's not, uh, you know, play the political long game. There's none of this shit. It's just, wow, there's a lot of violence. Uh, wh- what, do you, what do you do with that? And there, there's basically nothing, right? You know, there, there's not... Uh, you don't get to slowly develop connections so you can feed information to the New York Times or any of that other bullshit. It's just uh, in 36 hours, they wrecked the whole country and then they went home. Uh, I don't think we want to deal with that again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Should, should, is there like, is there like a big brain move? Do you, do you look at like the much bigger threat, China? Do you withdraw from Afghanistan? and Iraq and then do you like do you like false flag like a jihadi attack into Beijing and kind of like judo pull them into the Middle East and then let that be the graveyard of empires for them even if you wanted to do that you would have needed to do it like a month ago because the Taliban has already been negotiating with China they are saying so openly and clearly uh, China is good and ready to recognize them as the governing body of Afghanistan. They are already talking about the support that they'll give them. They are perfectly happy to apply the uh, Belt and Road Initiative to Afghanistan. They're already talking about doing it. And so even if what you did is you, you false flag Beijing, uh, the Taliban would come back and go, hey, there's a terrorist element here and we're going to take care of them for you. And that would be instant justification for whatever brutality they felt like doing the next day. Now, are the Taliban... are not that Don knows. What is their view on the Uyghurs, though? Because there's two million Uyghurs in concentration camps in China. Is there not some disparity so, there? The uh, the Taliban have, on the front of other Muslims, have have often played the not a real Muslim game. Okay. And for political reasons, they probably do it instantly uh, with China. 
right? So if you're, uh, you know, we we talk about they they execute Christians and that sort of thing. They execute Muslims like it's cool. And oh, the yeah. first thing that they do is say, well, I know that we're not allowed to kill Muslims, but that guy wasn't really a Muslim. That guy, he wasn't following the dictates of Allah, so we had to kill him because he is one of the people who should have known better and turned away from the faith, which, by the way, is a dictate of Islam. And so what you get is, uh, well, look, man, the weaker Muslims obviously aren't following the dictates of Allah because that's politically convenient. So if China, you know, China is kind of doing a favor for us here if they're taking care of those guys. Um, And it's... You know, it, it is obvious political convenience, but it will get them what they want. It will keep them in power, etc. And by the way, it'll get them cell phone networks and roads and all kinds of other bullshit. So I, I wouldn't expect that to be the saving grace. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I totally agree with that one, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, even the Muslims, even the Muslims in Afghanistan, if they don't convert to Sharia law, they're dead meat. You know, mm-hmm. just because yeah, that's it, man. It's either you're in or you're out. <laughs> Nowhere in between. That's the scary part. And the thing is, a lot of these these Afghans for 20 years have gotten used to a lot of the Western ways. You know, they've, they've enjoyed their freedom, taking the burkas off, um, getting to listen to, you know, rock and roll and, and, and all these things. And suddenly, you know, it's going to get stripped away from them. And, uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's sad. It's sad that it's going to, you know, it's going to be bad. You know, I really feel bad for everybody, but particularly, you know, the women and the girls, man. Um, you know, on the on the on the scale of things, I remember, you know, there's a hierarchy in the in Afghan culture, and basically the the value system looks something like this: the father, the sons, the goats, the daughters, the mom. <laughs> right? That's the hierarchy. The mom has no value at the end of the day. She's just an incubator, man. And uh, I remember one time we were talking to, you know, so the other thing is there's a lot of, you know, homosexuality there. And I remember asking, talking to the Afghans about, I said, well, you know, what's going on with that? And part of the reason it's so prevalent there is because they don't have access to women. Why? Because they're always covered up, right? You can't be co-mingling with them out in public. You know, they've got to go out with their husband or their, their brother or something like that, you know, with the burqa on. So there's no opportunity to co-mingle and have relationships with the opposite sex. In fact, most of the marriages are already prearranged. In fact, I had one of my commanders, he got married. He was 20, I think 26 at the time, and his wife was 16. He was telling me he was married. And I said, oh, how'd you, where'd you meet her? He goes, why didn't you? know, she was born, and, and she was uh, basically committed to me from that point on by the family. So it's time to marry her. She's 16 years old. I'm like, holy shit. And uh, sight unseen. So, you know, that's kind of the culture there, but... So, um, funny enough, I had that distilled down into about a, one sentence for me, which is to say, women are for breeding, men are for fun. And I went, yep. you what? <laughs> I, I, I actually had it put this way. Um, women are for babies and boys are for fun. That's how I had it put to me. The same, yep. same way. <laughs> in, in, only, in only the way Dale can take a take a statement and turn it up to eleven. <laughs> in only the way Dale Comstock can. <laughs> we, we had a guy uh, whose name I won't say, but uh, every, everywhere we ever went, there uh, he, he was black, um, and uh, everywhere we went, local nationals used to come up to him and go, same, same. <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't get that, that's uh, you want to go uh, step over here in the compound, have a little fun. <laughs> same, 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 same. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. That's the problem with that culture, man. You know, it's you you don't have the latitude, the freedom to really choose your life and really your happiness. It's it's almost it's dictated to you from the outset. So you you know, women are born. It's like you're going to get married to some guy, not if you choose it, and you're going to shut up. You're going to like it. You're going to have lots of kids. If you don't like it, you're probably going to get your ass kicked before you get killed. Um, that's how, that's how it works. So, and so they were getting away from that because of the 20 years. Right. And now they're going to go back to that. And, you know, that's going to be very problematic. And for those that are not compliant, um, for those that show any, um, you know, any pushback whatsoever, man, they're going to, it's going to be over for them, man. It's going to be over. You're either in or you're all the way out. And, uh, it's sad what's going to happen. I feel really bad, man. I, you know, for the girls, the little girls, man, I mean, what's going to happen to them? I think the age is, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's nine years old. At nine years, they're fair game, man. It's like, God, man, I can't even imagine I think about my own children, my own daughters. At um, nine. Yeah, and that's where we're at, man. That's where they're at. And and we're, and, let's, and before we shut up here, where's the outcry by all the feminists in this country? I don't hear none of them talking about it. I don't hear the Talib and the, and the freaking... All these other, you know, hacks and, and political hacks, you know, the, the squad. I don't hear any of them talking shit about this or getting concerned. Everybody's oh. totally silent, you know. Have Pretty you, have you not it. heard that the Taliban is very feminist because they respect women's rights? I'm yeah. not kidding. That's the line. <laughs> well, and I went, I don't even know what to do with that. Well, if, That's the most ridiculous yeah. thing I've ever heard in my life. Did you see yeah. Did you see Elon Elon Musk retweeted that meme? And it's a picture of all the guy, all the Taliban in the presidential palace. And the caption is, is unbelievable. Not one fucking mask. <laughs> before, before we get on out of here, I probably should have asked this a long time ago. So that, that picture in particular is what reminds me. So I definitely was never dealing with like super high speed A and A or anything. It was it was basically just like guys from local area who were like, Oh, hey, you're protecting our city. So yeah, I, okay, I guess we'll fight for you. Uh, or, you know, help you do that, right? That was the ANA I was dealing with, and their training was basically whatever we could get done outside of uh, operational time, which was not much. So everybody I know was took one look at that picture and went, look at all those guys, fingers straighten off the trigger. Yeah, discipline. All, oh, yeah. All very, anyone ever experienced this? <laughs> and I went, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. We, we had a guy who just like, out on a patrol was like, oh, I just don't want to carry a second rocket, loaded his RPG, turned left, shot that bitch. You know, it was just like, oh, rockets are heavy. I'm not carrying it, right? And, oh boy, is there a lot of conspiracy theory about how you get that. Yeah. But I guess the question is, I don't know, Dale, you you find a lot of that where very American A lot of trigger discipline. They're all in the uh, room like that. I, I, I have seen that also. I've seen that also. Everybody's got their finger off the trigger and they're all in the low carry. Right, mm-hmm. keep your weapons safely. Um, yeah, obviously, <laughs> two two things happen. One is a lot of these guys are either converts or were Confederates already in the organizations in the units, right? Because we had them, we had them, we, we brought them out all the time. We had bad guys in my in the units. Um, so one, they're having that, they're getting the training, or two, they're actually getting training from somewhere else. Somebody else is training them as well, you know? And look, it's just like you said earlier in Vietnam, you know, the Chinese were all over the place. Um, yeah. My guess is Afghanistan is, is the Iranians and the Pakistanis, and Pakistanis, you know, they were training these guys as well, right? So, um, yeah, these guys are trained. Um, 
And and, and when people think that, oh, you know, they can't be that good, let me tell you something. I had a mortar crew I ran for 18 months. They were all Afghans, okay? These guys were literally goat herders and farmers, got recruited, got trained, um, and these guys could run a mortar crew, 120s, 80s, 60s, like, they, as good as anybody out there, and they were accurate, and they were good, and they could use the, the whiz wheels, they could plot everything. I mean, they can learn, and they can use this shit, and that's why I said a minute ago about, you know, the, you talk about the air, uh, airfield. Um, if, they, if they really want to, they can rain hell down on that base. And the other thing is, too, think, is to think about, the Taliban don't care about all the Afghans that were tens of thousands hanging around the airfield trying to get in. You know why? No, because they're trying to get out. They're trying to get out. So they're really not with the they're really not with the Taliban. They're with the bad guys. The way yep. Taliban is. So they don't care if they smoke them. But guess what? The Americans have to be careful that they don't shoot, you know, obviously the Afghans, right? Because mm-hmm. we're trying to help them. So it's a quandary there. And like I said, the Taliban, man, they hold all the aces. They got this, man. It's just they just they just got to decide what they want to do with it. And uh, you know, we backed ourselves into a bad position. And uh, I I fear the next couple of days you're gonna see it get even quicker worse. It's gonna be I I just see a catastrophe. All it takes is one aircraft to get shot down or get oh, disabled man. on the runway. Get, get disabled on the runway, and it's game over, man. Yeah, um, we're I, headed there. It's I, it's already getting violent. In the I think the I'm movie already is catching ready. video. Like the Black Hawk Down moment, I think it's coming. It's yeah. just you yeah. can see the imagery. Yeah, it's gonna be some yeah, some transport plane that like ran through the end of the runway. There's gonna be and you can get ready for the shitty movie that's gonna come out in six or seven years. And <coughs> you know it's coming. It's the yeah. you can feel it in the air. It's yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'll yeah. I think Trump just has to come out and say you know, Taliban are brave, and then and, and Biden will nu- Biden will nuke Kabul by midnight. See, that's some forty chess. That's some, Trump comes out and goes, "Oh, we said it, great leaders, strong leaders. We will we will radioactively rape the Middle East in twelve hours." Yeah, I don't know, man, but uh, because I'm a bitch and uh, I want to go get some groceries, let's wrap this bitch up and um, and. Uh, yeah, man. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into Cobblecast. And uh, yeah, we need to do, we, we need we need to do this more, man. I like I like I like having my doe-eyed idea shot in the face by Don and Dale and Joe. I like I like for it to be measured. But I'm like, well, you know, the Band-Aid had to come off, and it's, shut up, faggot. And I'm like, all right, all right. It's uh, I like it. I like it. I like uh, yeah. I like it. I I get taught a lesson. But uh, Dale. Dale's book, American Badass. Bye, everyone. Uh, Don doesn't have a book. He can't read or write, but he has a great voice, so he's going to narrate Dale's book eventually. That's oh, not yeah, agreed yeah, upon yeah, at man. all. That's just me throwing that right out there in both y'all's lap to have to deal with. And That, that uh, is agreed upon, actually. Oh, that is? is actually happening. We'll fucking get on it. And, uh, yeah, that's good. yeah. And uh, for everyone that is concerned, yes, Don is locked in my basement, chained to a radiator. No, I'm not letting him out anytime soon, so fuck off. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Let's wrap this shit up, and uh, if I, if anything develops very quickly, I imagine we'll be doing another Cobblecast this week. If something develops quickly, then we're going to be the fast reaction podcast force. 
And we're going to get, get on here to produce content because that's what really matters in this war. I, I'd get ready because not not to extend this out any any further, but all of those things, right, when you, you, you get a bunch of briefings and then you start to see it when you're there, all of those things that are like, hey, this means bad things are developing. You need to be on top of this. You need to be there. There needs to be boots on the ground. There needs to be uh, rifles at the ready. They're all happening. Every single one of them. Every briefing I've ever heard is happening right now all right well we will stay tuned and uh we'll be the we'll be the quick response force right qrf right? we'll get quick quick podcast for us we'll be the qpf all right <laughs> we will come in we will come in with shitty one-liners and 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 shitty audio and we will be there to provide <laughs> we will be there maybe we can't rescue this many men this this quickly but what we can do is put out a shitty podcast with little or no time of preparation so we'll do that <laughs> done the pleb dale comstock uh until the next cobblecast <laughs> i'll see you